Good afternoon. Good evening. Welcome. Good morning. Uh, we are here for our second report, Return to Form, uh, at the London Film Festival. We have been in and out of the quite ghastly Picture House Central mm. um, in Piccadilly Circus, London's glamorous Piccadilly Circus. We are joined, as is often the case, uh, by George McBeth, friend of the show, mm. um, our Berlin correspondent here in London. Um, and we've seen many films with George, mm. uh, which we will discuss at length today. Um, how are you guys finding the festival so far? Yeah, I've hit uh, that sort of like slow, lazy river, mm -hmm. you know, phase of the festival, I think now, which is like, it's you know, the first is the kind of sense of thrill and excitement and possibility. And now you hit the kind of like three, four, five day and you just kind of, an automaton, I think, in a way. You know, it's just film, 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 film. So lacking much uh, festivity, I think. You don't, we don't sound very festive, do we, actually? sound a bit of a <laughs> well, low it's just ebb, the, you know. The, the, the prizes um, are sort of meaningless. I mean, mm. the films have all shown somewhere else. So we're just mm. catching up. We're playing catch-up. Except the British films. The only debuts are British right. films, we've, which right. are... We've not seen any British as films. As we'll discuss so. later. You, you've seen one. I've seen Massively one British film. few British yeah. films. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I'll discuss. films that are British, actually. Yes, well, that, well, that was in our previous episode. If you're just watching this, um, uh, we discussed in our previous episode uh, British short films that we thought were bad. That clip has been uh, very, very popular, uh, <laughs> although no one will admit it in public. Um, and uh, we've also we also reviewed um, uh, Inside the Yellow Cocoon Shell. Mm. Um, this, this, yeah. Great. What Great. was the other stuff we reviewed? Corriere's Monster. Corriere's Monster. Uh, Catherine Breyer. Catherine Breyer's Catherine Last, Breyer last Summer. summer. Um, um, and uh, much else. Mm. Despite this slightly um, downbeat tone, we are going to I kick off this podcast reviewing... Just the coffee to kick in my phone. Take a little <laughs> sip of one. Let's do a, let's do a bump. And, uh, <sighs> rustle, those, rustle those ice cubes. It's, it's low-key summer in this uh, October day. It's, it's 25 day. degrees. Mm. You'll sort of see the, the, like, the light, uh, warm light on our faces. Mm. Uh, if you're watching this on video, we're now recording these sometimes. Um, we are going to brighten up our moods by discussing what for many of us I think was the best film of the year possibly, wow. mm -hmm. yeah, possibly. Uh, front load it with mm. that uh, Radu Jude's Do Not Expect the End of the World Do Not Expect too much, too much from the of the End of the World, the end of the world. Of the world. Um, title purloined from some Polish poet George, you, the name? you saw this yeah. particularly recently for mm. the second time uh -huh. um, could you give us a quick uh, summary of this complex and interesting film uh, yeah I can be I can try and be as succinct. It's quite a complex structure. But so it's um, it's by Partey, and anybody who saw his previous film, it was... Uh, it was uh, so actually, th this film is the third, basically, in the loose trilogy that began with um, uh, We Will Not Go Down in History... Do not think we do will. not my God. Every title of the <laughs> film is a long <laughs> sentence. It's unwieldy. It's no? unwieldy. So the title of that film is um, "I do not care." I do not care. If we get in the history, history of barbarians, barbarians, which was what a politician want, what said mm. after doing something rather barbaric. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the, and this was followed by "Bad, Bad Luck, Luck Bang" or "Loony Porn," mm, another yeah. very uh, popular title, un unwieldy one. Mm. Um, His lockdown and, film. Mm. Yeah, and this is the third one, and um, loosely, thematically. Uh, uh, and formally clustered together. I mm. mean, especially con compared to his other films, which involve this period drama, Afrim. Um They deal with contentious political issues in a sort of polyform fashion. Yeah, and they're also, as I was remarking on the, on the tube in a way here, to, oh, and they're kind of city symphonies to uh, kind of pans to Bucharest itself mm. as a as mm. this like chaotic 
uh, rambunctious. Um, yeah, he's not. He's not necessarily interested. Space. He's interested know. in these places of excessive interconnection, overlap, and you know, which is predominantly urban space, right? And so, urban structures, urban institutions. So this is the end. This is a kind of uh, capstone to this mm-hmm. trilogy, and um, like the others, it is. Uh, it's kind of got composed of these formally distinct parts, mm-hmm. um, and the, f- the first part of the film is essentially. Uh, uh, a road movie. Going, mm. uh, it's a road movie, and it, you're going into the hidden abode of production for the second part of the film. Mm-hmm. So the, yeah. the, the the whole film is essentially an exercise in showing you how uh, a propaganda film is made, mm-hmm. and it's a meditation on the status of um, how uh, how an idea is kind of compromised mm-hmm. and diluted by um, in one in one case uh, political. Um, totalitarian oversight which is yeah. a Ceausescu propaganda film just to put us in the in the in the in the, in the mind of, of mm. the viewer yes we follow in black and white footage we follow a woman a very stressed underslept woman <laughs> driving around Bucharest uh, a production, and Romania, yeah. a production, a production manager trying to so, find yeah. people who have had workplace injuries mm. uh, mm. who would be prepared to talk about their workplace in, injuries in a film which promotes health and safety and she gradually finds that many of these people suffer their injuries as a result of negligence of the company she right. works for. It's, it's, class, it's a classic structure. It's so like yeah, Blues Brothers or something. Yeah, you know? so the important the difference here is obviously they're not generic workplace accidents. These are employees of a particular company that she's been hired by to produce a piece of It's an Austrian furniture manufacturer. Yeah, an Austrian yeah. Uh, furniture manufacturer and she's basically been you know, um, tasked with producing a piece of, yeah, uh, I, I, guess, I suppose it's like a workplace video, so mm-hmm. it's not designed for external kind of consumption. It's for other employees. But it's sort of meant to cover their back in a certain yeah, kind of yeah, way. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the process, discovers yes that there's that it's it's corporate negligence that's led yeah. to that. Even though the official narrative is that they have wounded themselves, like come to injure themselves through their own foolishness or drunkenness in one case, or accusations of drunkenness. So mm-hmm. it's this, uh, yeah. And this woman is 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 a sort of harried and and stressed, but also. Uh, she has a, a wicked spirit mm. and she is also mm. a viral TikToker. She posts uh, using a, a filter that makes her look like a sort of bald, bearded man. Monobrowed. Yeah. The monobrow. She inhabits yeah. the character of Babita, which the actress continues to inhabit in the social media mm-hmm. account of the film, which you can follow. I can't mm. remember the app. Do not expect too much or whatever. Yeah. Um, she, uh, she posts these kind of misogynistic rants in the in the character of Bobita. It's a sort of Bactinian like Billingsgate. It's just like complete uh, torrential obscenity and vulgarity um, mm. of the most like uh, exciting like um, verbal What's de- the one about dexterity. The queen? So this, this takes place during the death of the queen. Mm. Uh, the, well, the yeah, queen. I mean, everything that actually is happening around the production seeps into the production. I mean, mm. Goddard's Ukraine death war. is remarked upon, mm, the yeah. Ukraine war is remarked upon, but not in, not in the, not with a kind of a bid or a nod towards topicality just like the film, it's, it's, the film is so ultra contemporary yeah. in both it's um it's this kind of it's a browser tab experience or a, a, a you know a feed almost like, yeah, yeah not, exactly, to, not yeah. to be too sort of activistic but i just remembered another yeah. aspect of the film uh it, her her the footage of her in the car is intercut with footage from 
a 1970s or 80s Romanian film called Angela Moves On. Moves yeah, on. starring Ceausescu funded like you know uh, propaganda video yeah. about a sort of woman taxi driver in yeah, the 70s. Yeah. And actually, our production assistant is also called Angela. Mm. Yes, and also yeah, the yeah. woman and the woman who plays Angela in that film then appears. So you see, it's not so easy the, to give a sexy interpretation of this Yeah, it's a very faceted thing, and it's in, to to invoke back to in, you know, it's it's polyvocal in lots of ways. You yeah, know, it really yeah, is yeah, in a truest sense, and I think. So we've got that narrative there, the second half of the film. So the film's kind of in parts, stages basically, as we kind of move towards the actual shooting of this. Mm -hmm. you know, her job is to kind of herd the cats of mm -hmm. these sort of injured parties, mm -hmm. to bring them together, to convince them to perform in the film, mm -hmm. to then shoot them. In between that, yeah, we've got these kind of, uh, these derives, which are the her TikTok videos. Sometimes we're inside the video, sometimes we see her shooting them. Mm -hmm. And it's quite funny to see. And it should be said that we go, we go from, yeah, we go from this amazing high grain black and white. Mm. Um, I think she's on 16, or it looks like it. Yeah, yeah and then she's... It's quite she, grainy, isn't it? It's nice. Yeah, and I mean, you remarked before on a kind of like thoughtlessly made 16 mil film that you'd seen. Oh, the, by Ben Hacking. Exactly, mm. whereas this, this was a... I mean, it was done in order to exploit the mediums to its fullest. I mean, she wears this mirrored dress as well, which um, oh, this shine, yeah, which creates this kind of so wonderful, like wonderful mirror ball fish skin, fish yeah. skin effect. Mm. Um, and you don't realize you don't. Re it's kind of this lost effect in a way. There's a kind of I think there's a kind of visual joke there because when we see her in black and white, it's only when we see her in color that we realize this dress is this kind of like an oil slick of of shimmering shades. But yeah, we yeah. see her in the car, and it's just club looks, soda. It's quite hard it. to tell. But I think there's also another narrative there um, talking about transit speed and death and mm. velocity it's got this kind of virilio edge to it which is that there's a bit where we see she remarks casually <gasps> oh god it's so good she said this is one of the most dangerous roads in europe you know while she's driving a, a character we'll talk about in a moment nina Hoss's character from the airport she says this is the most dangerous road in europe i think she says like you know three thousand people will die here every year or something in road accidents it's not that many but it's, it's quite a lot and then we get this film where I guess a structural film where Radu Jude just shoots the tombstones, mm -hmm. uh, these kind of uh, these roadside memorials. They're not, yeah, they're sort of memorials in a, just a cross. Mm. And it's basically... And they're very different kinds of crosses that would denote different... interpretations different, of... Or, it's different a different or different class positions of the families mm. who... Yeah. Some of them are like a rusty little cross. Some of them yeah. are like a proper you know, photograph reasons, yeah. with a bit of marble. But each one yeah. is about four seconds. It, and it mm. is, I think it's very much a cute nod to like uh, Greenaway's Vertical Features remake. I mean, you know, like... that's what Who minds if it is or it isn't? No, no, I think... I think it very much is like uh, the the way it's staged and mannered and all the rest of it. But also, it was, I thought this was so audacious seeing this on mm, the yeah. second time as well because um, it departs and then just returns. Yeah, it's it like comes, amazing. It comes it, back, and, it, uh, and it's just intuitive. It's like a, a series of thoughts, and mm. it, it is yeah, like you say, like a, bra a browser, not in a kind of crude, um, obvious way, but it does mm. have this like browser tab way of moving between different forms and ideas and it's not doing the literal thing or something like Camille Onrose which I like but mm. there's like gross gross fatigue you know this, where, where all the windows yeah pioneered the exactly, that's what I mean yeah, 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 yeah exactly. it wasn't like that yeah 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 and I think there's something about yeah it kind of follow it follows the distracted always on thread of thought I think in some ways so you know it's natural that if someone mentions this it's almost like the brain would look it up yeah. and then browse through photographs mm. on a browser or something this kind of follows this kind of quite organic river approach to, to thought in terms of how the film is structured. It doesn't feel like it makes sense, no. but it makes sense in terms of just... This but there is a total clarity of purpose. Yeah. And, and it adds a weight to the, the mm. themes of the film because it invokes, like, we're talking about workplace tragedy, we're talking mm. about accidents, you know, it, 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 it kind of slots in without being too heavy-handed. I mean, this isn't a film... This is a film that has, like, it's full of contradictions, it's full yeah. of, like, 
um, quite sort of aggressive. Um, I suppose it's encapsulated perfectly by these uh, people are calling them Andrew Tate style TikToks because she mentioned Andrew yeah, Tate at one yeah. point. But yeah, these the way that she uses this problematic uh, misogynist TikTok personality almost as a way to kind of um, speak her, her anger and her frustration mm. in this situation where she constantly has, to, as a production assistant, she constantly has to be amenable to everyone and mm. polite. There's this amazing scene with Nina Hoss character. <laughs> Nina Hoss doing an extraordinary job as the in this cameo yeah. as a very icy kind of mm. uh, senior executive at this company who she's, uh, who's being driven around by the, the central character. Um, and who says, oh, you know, what's, it, it makes this performative attempt to kind of glean a bit of information about uh, the protagonist's life as a worker. Mm. And, you know, so, and, and, <laughs> she, and, she, confides, and yeah. she confides these like various things about how difficult it is to do her job and then says, oh, but I'm, on this job, you don't, you don't have to work. Well, of those course, kinds not, of just hours. eight hours on this yeah, job. Yeah, on this yeah, job, yeah, it's yeah, fine. Yeah, you know, which and we know to be, which we know to be untrue. untrue. Um, so there's various um, points at which her, like, she always has to be amenable to everyone. And then she has this amazing... Uh, like a uh, sort of off off shoot um this like um out where she this 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 channel where she can kind of uh, pour out her frustration mm. in the in a different character that is like viewed in as very anti woke or whatever very mm. problematic um but then there's this like glorious naughty pleasure at seeing her mm. in, inhabit this character it's a very nice touch and i think that there's something very yeah there's something very libidinally free for her to do this and it's funny when we see her she she has a kind of short sig break or something on the shoot and we see her in the background with the camera yeah, yeah, yeah. just yelling and we hear we hear it from a distance so we see you know it's kind of become a trope of videos it's kind of very brad trammell story recap watching videos of people mm. recording tiktoks in the street and it's mm. quite alienating and quite peculiar um, and it kind of inhabits that so what he does is he inhabits this kind of modernity that as refracted through various positions of seeing or of but encountering he, he also doesn't maintain the with uh, a spectator in loads of different situations and from loads of different vantages yeah exactly angles, it's kind know. of it's pontalist and like mm. it, it even mm. cubist in a way but like the point is that he is genuinely it's apparent that this is somebody who consumes digital media yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. and, uh, and understands the not some uh, wacky boomer well uh, yeah I mean he, and generationally speaking he sort of is but mm. um, Gen X surely yeah. Okay. True. But he's, yeah, he's like yeah. uh, he clearly understands the. He's probably the same age as Eminem or something. The, the, <laughs> the power and the, like um, the force of like a bang and TikTok. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know he's he's actually remarked in plenty of interviews upon you know like how, what, at what point is there going to be a TikTok in competition for various different things you know mm. or like a TikTok compilation or but uh, this this like. Um, the critical distance that's kind of needed for a respectable film, filmmaker to regard all this with slight contempt. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about the moments that you see, even incredible intelligent films where it'll be like, Oh, this is going viral. Yeah. And everybody, yeah. everybody has to, um, you know, any film set in the present sort of uh, feels it has a weird, ob weird obligation to acknowledge like virality yeah. right. of well, culture in this world. Without, without it being inhabited. Yeah. And here it's yeah. actually inhabited because the content is generated is the sort of yeah. thing that would, gen would genuinely Because it's formal. Because it has a formal... I think there's a way as well enough. that a lot <laughs> yeah. of these like, art house prestige, more prestigious films don't know how to integrate that technology. They can't find a way to get a finger hold on technology. Mm -hmm. And what, what Radio Jude does is finds interesting ways to use, I suppose... Uh, modern forms or hypermodern forms of communication like TikTok and integrate mm. them quite interestingly in Zoom calls and things like that. So there's amazing, there's two very amazing kind of Zoom calls in this film. Yeah. There's one, she calls a guy who she's supposed to be interviewing for this film and he's gone fishing. So they managed to get him on, um, you know, 
mobile phone or something they call she's doing you know she's got the laptop and she's watching it and because it's shot in black and white and because it's quite low fidelity it's quite mm -hmm. low low definition his the way his he's got a kind of fake space background so he's got he's kind of this floating head in space and because it's very I suppose defamiliarizing to see something we know so well shot yeah. in this kind of grainy black and white mm. and it's an incredible way to and we still have little bits of the tooltips in the screen mm. but it it has this amazing kind of erratic quality about it. You're seeing, it's like you're seeing it for the first time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We also see this scene later where Nina Hoss is calling in from Austria before she flies to Against Romania. this glass panel. Against this glass panel. We've got this window. huge head yeah. above this table. So it's very like, it's almost like kind of Wizard of Oz in a way. And She's kind of this Wizard of Oz character floating over right. this table again in, in stark black and white. Again, very unsettling and defamiliarizing. And a beautiful um, moment where the CEO of the company mm. um, is scheduled to join the Zoom call. Mm. He joins it. He doesn't, even, he doesn't even say <laughs> hello to anyone. Mm. He yeah. just says, oh, one word, emotion. And then like closes off yeah, the yeah, yeah, and yeah, leaves. Yeah. The complete uh, like, like, asinine like, mm. nature of it modern really, capital. I think yeah, it yeah. does nail mm. like the, the, the neoliberal hell we're living through in a particular way that, mm. I, I, that a lot of films try to and don't achieve. I think it, yeah. it, 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 with, with a sense of fun and, and joy. Right, mm. because it's genuinely a dialectical film, I think. Like in, in everything, in terms of the attitude of, like, you know, he's a Romanian filmmaker reflecting in part on the kind of like post-communist condition of um, like hyper nightmarish urbanism that mm. everybody's talking about the traffic, uh, the working conditions are disastrous. Uh, and in some ways then the propaganda film of Angela Moves On becomes this like um, you know, it's actually kind of halcyon moment of mm. uh, it remains even, even a propaganda film it remains a propaganda yeah. film but yeah. we are also by the status of the kind of contemporary film seduced into mm. finding this like calm it's very meditative um, and there's no traffic right, right. and, it, and yeah. especially because the way he plays with the footage and slows it down but then you know as a counterpoint to this the kind of like dialectical edge of this uh, moment is that he's he zooms in on the various people in the backdrop mm -hmm. um, who are bystanders, by and large, mm -hmm. they're extras. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's quite subtle what he's doing with the footage here. I think he's trying to, he's kind of like tease out, to pass out from this um, official propaganda film, the, the the moments that it can't quite conceal, that like mm. uh, there's the suffering, the trauma, all that. Yeah, or just even real life, you know, because those scenes might be just someone with their bag of shopping, with their mouth slightly ajar. He's just stumble into the know, frame, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he, he, yeah, he kind of slows the footage down and the, obviously this, the audio track also slows down. We get this kind Sometimes of... Sometimes the audio track cuts out completely, yeah. The other, the other element I liked was, you know, this, again, it, it had this kind of Goddard weekend slapstick element to it, which was, you know, uh, these, these sort of, they're not delivery cyclists, they're like Volt or something or whatever the company is in large parts. He actually cameo, cameos himself as, he a, as a Glovo driver in Glovo the lobby was. of the Deloitte ah, building. He's okay. in the back and he gets so, yeah. stuck in the elevator. Yeah. So there's lots of moments that are quite, so, you know, again, it's one of these kind of symptomatic elements of modern capital. But is that where they have the fire, the fire portrait on the wall? Mm -hmm. and, and mm. the Kenneth Goldsmith, uh, Goldsmith copy of Kenneth Goldsmith's yeah, yeah, yeah. Capital very good but so we have these intrusions that of one kind was of lost on the audience at BFI <laughs> NFT <laughs> everyone's applauding like a seal yeah. I mean but he has these so we have these cyclists going over she goes to a cemetery to mm -hmm. go to her, visit her dad's grave Oh yes, and there's this thing about the plots of uh, the, the they want to build something on these these great luxury housing. So they're, build, they're building a, an apartment condo adjacent, mm. and um, so she goes to the Deloitte offices to kind of work this through. And they're like, "Well, they, we don't want to have a they don't want to have a view over your grave, mm -hmm. but we're going to rebury your it's grandmother." And yeah, uh, yeah. we've checked, and it, it's all above board religiously. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's fine to do. So it's like it's not okay with me that you're moving yeah. the mortal remains. And she's only been uh, buried five months ago. Or something, it's an and amazing. It has exhumed a, again. Yeah. Mm. Not only 
only in the in the editing style, but also just narratively, mm. it's so collage like. It's way truly it like Rabelaisian, and like yeah. every, everything that is high is brought low, right? Mm. Like basically, there is no nothing that cannot be. Um, Rabelaisian. This is your reference for for this is Bakhtin. This is every, yeah. Okay. You yeah. Have to but, but here, yeah, 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 like did you say this for Triangle of Sadness? It was Rabelaisian. Mm. It's this well, is no, no, that, that was like attempting to be so. But then actually, by by having this moralistic third act, so the book that listeners should read read is is Rabelaisian as well by Bakhtin. I think so. I mean, at least to get a handle on this. But I think at the same time, as, and this is what I uh, said when I reviewed it, I everybody reaches for Goddard, but mm-hmm. uh, actually I think he's truly the heir to like Kluger in terms of his yeah. understanding of hybridity and how to stitch together like uh, multiple types of... The power um, of emotion by Kluger springs mm-hmm. to mind, I think. Uh, yeah, this one, but also... also Germany and Autumn, I mean, maybe. If you can, Germany and Autumn as a Kluger oh, okay. film, yeah, which yeah, we do. Yeah, then yeah, I, yeah. I think it's a Kluger is, project primarily, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but imagine if Kluger made comedies. Yeah, right. Well, there is a huge yeah, element of comedy to Germany and Autumn. On I the think. big top is you know. kind of mm. funny, and but I think there's Germany and Autumn is like a, is full of moments of satire. I mean, when they're mm. debating how to send, how to like prefix the Antigone production, you know, mm. they, that was, yeah. that's a very Judean scene actually. But anyway, I mean, I'm to, sure to, he's seen that. But the, my point was, you know, we've got this talk, again talking about Rabelais and kind of like inverting the high and the low. You know, you've got this this cemetery which is a pl- quite a somber place of reflection and, and mourning, and we've got these cyclists, these kind of delivery cyclists crossing constantly going through the cemetery for yeah. God knows what reason, and a cemetery itself has this <laughs> the website it's called cemetery.com Dot, yeah, on cemetery, this massive yeah. wall and it's playing quite schmaltzy funeral dirge music yeah. into the over over the top of and the while cemetery. she's there's there no, she gets a kind of a cold call from an insurance agent mm, as well yeah there's no space that is free from the clutches of kind of um, which also makes it a bit Fellini-esque a bit like yeah. kind of German like nobody has any space to think in this world mm. and in this world is our world well, I mean yeah. that, you know it's yeah, not, he, he reproduces the modern world exactly by, right. by not trying to, to he's not trying to reflect on the modern world he's just created a diorama well, does he or does he do what she says Babita is doing which mm. is to like intensify um, yeah, all of its existing and, and she's like you know when she says I'm Charlie fucking Abdo like <laughs> this I think it totally like just to, just to reflect back on his career and I did enjoy so like structurally mm. uh, th- this has similarities with um, I do not care if we go down history as barbarians in that it you know, it, it leads up to a to a performance, to a project. So to it's a the hidden hidden about a production yeah, yeah. and the production itself. And yeah. uh, in the case of, it's quite short in Barbarians, the actual production. Um, but in uh, in this, it's probably the last half hour of the film. It's just mm-hmm. a single shot of them trying to film this video and the various obstacles. Uh, and yeah. you know, background, you know, production chat that that is extremely and get funny and, and weird. Um, and to try and try and get because they what they're not quite happy with his narrative because they're trying they're basically slicing away his account until it suits yeah, the corporate yeah, narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they end up shooting and it goes from night it goes from day to night it begins to rain so they have to get on. Yeah, so there's, there's, there's yeah. like the moral and like practical kind of obstacles mm. keep in, you know getting you know, invading. So the, yeah, and the intent to have this kind of authentic story. Uh, as they realise it casts a bad light on the company, we, yeah. what we end up with is basically nothing. We end yeah, up with yeah, a kind yeah. of pointless him going. Nothing because he's holding wear signs a, that uh, will oh, yeah, be. He's not allowed to talk. Because yeah. like, oh, it's easy if you don't talk, and you just hold up. And signs. they say it's like it's going to be yeah. like subterranean homesick flutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's just well, they, they eventually they have empty boards. And he's yeah, like, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Impose. We can just put the text. So over then he can just be saying he's lost complete control over his own narrative, which is perfect. It's beautiful. It's like absurdist, but it hits just the right note of absurdity in it, and it. And it's also nice to to watch something. So, like, it's almost like kind of like a breath of fresh air, weirdly, to have all this 
jumping around between spaces and then suddenly then you're just like still locked off yeah. shot same uh, location actually the, best, the best joke One is, is uh, unless i've misremembered this is at the end of when they, sh they shoot at the site where he was he was paralyzed mm -hmm. so uh, because a, a sort of old rusty <laughs> uh road gate thing kind of fell on his that head he didn't see him. yeah they didn't see and they're like they blame it on him because he wasn't wearing a helmet mm -hmm. um and but when they're there, the, the same bar is still there, hasn't yeah. been replaced. So they have to kind of lift it and move out the way because they're like, oh shit, Maybe. this is still. And then he gestures towards the bar that isn't there anymore. Isn't there anymore? It's, it's perfect, just so yeah. good. And there's yeah. these little, yeah, yeah. It's full of like little nested, I guess, Easter eggs in a way. The, mm. you know, but he's not doing it just. They're all part of this kind of the warp and weft of his his critique. If you watch, I mean, I, mm. I I'd like to see Bad Luck Banging again, mm. but like Bad Luck Banging has in a way quite a satisfying uh, discreetness in the sense of things mm. being divided. Um, between the sections yeah but it, it's so much more exciting the way that this film like imbricates all the elements together mm. um and i i really i i have when i saw it's just one beautiful when a director like makes makes good on on their failings in a previous yeah. work it just feels you know because there was so much potential in bad rock banging and there were moments of it that were really exciting mm. but um uh, but yeah, this the, the, it had a very rigid kind of three-part structure, and everything was even had even like an alphabet where everything was like separated out. Mm. And this film does away with that. It was too schematic, and yeah, yeah, yeah. completely does away with that, and 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 follows its own intuitions editing-wise. And that's what makes it, you know, formally really engaging because it it it's it's following its own intuition about what should come next and what yeah. feels. It's a termite film. Right. It's, it's digging yeah. into it's digging Boring. into the state of of, of mm. its own formal problems that it's presenting itself, yeah. and then it's finding ingenious ways to resolve them, and mm. and that's enough. That's we sufficient to make uh, yeah. something which is as good as a fucking great TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> what can what can a film really be than a great TikTok? Yeah. Um, um, so yes. Yeah, so so uh, we highly recommend. To, yeah, it's called the to Return listeners. to Form stamp of approval. Return to Form. Yeah. We love, we love the new Radio Jude film. Do not expect too much of the end of the world. But expect a lot from Radio Jude. Expect, expect a lot from the rest of his world. career. Yeah. It seems like he has now really, really arrived as a director. Um, it will be distributed in the UK, um, which is great news. Um, I can't remember the, who the distributor is actually, but it's mm. uh, yeah, it's it's very good. It's quite long, but it's it's it, it's earns so, it uh, certainly so earns date its night potential. Go yeah, and yeah, take, yeah. take your uh, hinge date to go and see. You will uh, laugh. You will cry. You will cry. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so moving on to what is from the best film of the festival so far to the most talked about film probably. Are we the, talking about so Marty Scorsese? We're talking about Martin Scorsese, mm. who gave a talk at the Royal Festival Hall, is sort of guest of honor of this festival, the most mm. high profile. Um, Owen, you, you've seen The Irishman, you've seen a few of the recent Scorsese yeah, I feel, films. I feel where relatively do you feel immersed in the, in, the, in the Scorsese Where universe, do you feel yeah. his career has been uh, coming up to this, this new film, The Killers of the Flower Moon? Well, he's kind of established himself as this 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 great historicist of American, I guess, filmic tradition. So he's 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 doing kind of a melodrama. Um, like I was saying to you when we were walking to Pratt, you know, um, there's a sense in which he's continuing a tradition of of, of American golden age melodrama, often mm -hmm. crime narratives, uh, fallen people. Um, but what he's done is kind of turbocharged it to eleven, and fed it through the kind of prospectus of you know. The, the modern thriller, you know, mm -hmm. sort of like getting his, he's getting his rocks. He's basically having his cake and eating it by doing mm -hmm. the kind of Hollywood film that he's so critical about on Twitter and in his <laughs> videos, you know, he is still part of that, that Hollywood uh, industrial complex in, in so many ways, you know, not only with the super high production values, the kind of A-list talent he works with, yeah. um, you know, and, and I think, you know, there's, I mean, the conversation we often had is that he, you know, one of the great 
reasons we should take our hats off to somebody like Scorsese is because of the World Cinema Project or the World mm -hmm. Cinema Foundation. So he's, you know, he's been responsible, you know, uh, invaluable for, work invaluable work for restoring loads of lost films or, or you know at least kind of you know not not re rediscovering them but kind of you know restoring older mm -hmm. films that are in desperate need of restoration and then Absolutely. distributing them and I think widening access to films that are you know instrumental and our question is for a man who is so immersed in the in yeah. the kind of great tradition, you know, so a film like uh, Pejotto's Limite, you know, all these really mm. like beautifully avant-garde films. Tukibuki, which I don't think Tukibuki. was really part of the conversation in the way it is mm. now. Yeah. Loads of great, great so Polish someone, films. Yeah, so for somebody who is so sort of involved in in the kind of the, the, the grammar and syntax of beautiful, experimentally yeah. uh, mm -hmm. tinged film, does it feed through to his filmmaking? And that was the question we went in with. Because if I mean, I feel like, there's a sense in which there are moments of uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, which is a story. It's basically a, a story of capital. It's kind of doing, yeah. it's basically... Shall I give a quick summary of the... Yeah, my summary is it's There Will Be Blood with a landing acknowledgement. Yeah. <laughs> That's where yeah, you it's might... True. Um, um, yeah, so it's based on a novel of the same name that came out in 2017, and mm. it is based on a... that They're both based on real events that happened mm. in Osage County in Oklahoma, I believe. Um, and uh, yes, basically, which is an Indian reservation, Indian reservation, Native American Indian re reservation of the Osage people. Uh, these people at this point in history, which is the 1920s, um, by dint of being the first people on the land, have um, are somewhat wealthy because of the, the oil, oil on rights the land. Have been discovered. The oil there. rights yeah, have been yeah, discovered, yeah. Um, and there are uh, various white people. Uh, white American white people, people there, yeah. who are quite keen on the va the value of this oil, um, and some murders start to happen, which are suspiciously convenient predictable uh, in terms well, of these predictable murders, yeah. uh, in terms of who gets the mm. money afterwards. Um, lots of white uh, Americans are marrying into uh, the into um, full blooded uh, Osage uh, families. Um, you know, some of these romances are very genuine romances, mm. it seems. Leonardo DiCaprio, the protagonist, uh, is taken under the wing of his uh, his uncle, Bill Hale. Um, King Hale. King Hale, he has to mm. call him. Um, who sort of runs the show. Played by Robert De Niro. Played by Robert De Niro. Um, he has these weird moments where he suddenly gets a bit Italian, but never mind. Um, it's, like, it's like suddenly becomes good fellas and then doesn't. Mm. Um, this is bad fellas. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's... it's uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character is a sort of complex character. He, he's trying to efface himself as yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio, the actor, and only only succeeding to an extent because he's playing... Yeah, yeah. You know, he usually plays a character who's got a... He, you know, he has played naive characters in the past. You know, if you look at like Gangs of New York, which I think is a great film, personally. But um, so he's he's kind of readopting this kind of slightly naive character. Well, the beach also now. Beach is good actually. Beach is good. But I mean, he's, he's a bit of a dolt then. Yeah, he's a bit of a dolt, and he kind he's kind of playing this kind of like slightly naive kind of kind of uh, I guess uh, perfect foil to carry out the dirty work of De Niro's yeah, he's, character. He's, he's but he basically doesn't being it. manipulated by his mm -hmm. uncle because he believes that his uncle could do no wrong, and his uncle mm -hmm. presents himself as the perfect kind of liberal, the progressive yeah, character. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. he's learnt Neo-Sage language. He calls these people his friends. He's yeah. you know he's 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 kind of like obsequious and he's he's very kind of like deferential to a sage you know culture in a way that is immediately suspicious yeah, to yeah. anyone with a gram of sense but obviously um leonardo DiCaprio's character is is just reads it on surface level but mm -hmm. this is a good man you know his uncle's a good man um and then slowly begins to do his uncle's bidding which most of the time means arranging the murder of these various women um so that the money and can, men sometimes but yeah mostly the wives some yeah mostly the wives so i mean that's the story i mean my feeling was the story was 
very it had to be neat so we had it's a to pretty have good a, story yeah it's quite yeah as it unfolds it does feel somewhat literary in the sense that mm. like it moves extremely quickly through these very momentous Episodic. events yeah um like all the murders you barely get to know people before they get uh, taken off um and uh and it's very much about the sweeping history this is happening over several years people you know babies are born i think and it's then, about it know. goes up to 1937 or yeah. So, yeah um yeah. And then there's like a coda at the end that's sort of... Anyway, we'll get to the coda later. Um, mm. I feel like we could almost copy and paste some of my thoughts about Priscilla in, in terms of the formal thing, but I'll, I'll okay. say it anyway. You know, this film is not, for the most part, interestingly made. It looks like TV. Mm. Uh, it's extremely... The production design is extremely intricate in a way that I'm sure makes the production designing our directing department feel really proud of how accurate, get an Oscar they, for that how accurate it all yeah. was, but I, it doesn't... like this. It doesn't interest me at all. Yeah, the verisimilitude is is kind of pointless because nobody who was alive then is live now. Yeah, so yeah. The, and the also, aims of verisimilitude exactly. are kind of lost. And it like, doesn't have the yeah. you know basically. I think I think we were saying this about um, what were we saying this about? I often say it about Aguirre, Wrath of God, but we were saying mm. about a different film. Uh, oh, films that kind of only partially try and re they they reimagine the past in a slightly yeah. kind of defamiliarizing yeah. way. If you're yeah, doing yeah. period drama, I think we need muck. We need to mm. really like feel horrible and dirty. What were we talking about? There was a film we there really pulled up that was good about this. Was it on yeah. a recent? Was it? Was it? Oh, it was Pasolini. Medea. Medea. Yeah, yeah, so Medea, that, has, that is yet yeah. to come out. But Tank TV, we did a talk with Tank TV yeah. about Medea, which is a period drama that has proper like frantic muck and difficulty. And it also kind um, of has a slightly. It has a kind of intention. But also, he's the camera. I mean, uh, I, yeah. I, I, I say it's true of all of Pasolini's mm. period. Yes, yeah, yeah. But Pasolini was very good at this. He creates um, a kind of. Uh, he doesn't create a perfect. He doesn't create perfect verisimilitude of the past. He reimagines it through something that's most both sparser and kind of more exaggerated. In a I way. mean, so, look, without having seen the Scorsese, like mm -hmm. this is uh, especially kind of yeah. post. Madman, um, mm. you remember where the the, the excitement of uh, they they got the exact type of bic that would have been yeah. used in yeah. 1964 yeah, to have yeah, on Draper's yeah, desk, yeah. even if he didn't fucking use it. Right, mm. this addiction to it, the totally perfect and you get uh, these... recreation. And what is it? It's about... a sort of reality but, hunger. It's but, like a fear of fiction, which yeah, is you why, does it, why does this bother us so much? Because it, it bothers me a lot, but I don't yeah. know why. Like it's like watching the perfectness and just being like, well, it's people for whom it's people for whom continuity and a total absence of like. Mm. continuity error is uh, the imprimatur of like good filmmaking mm. so they're not, not like so it's not getting any goofs. or inventiveness no or anything else MDB. is an optional but like yeah, yeah. as long as like you know well the grammar the grammar of film and it applies of modern prestige filmmaking is that authenticity you know he, oh, he i really felt this character's sadness i really felt that these characters clothes were ones he wore you know you sometimes see these interviews mm. with actors and they go oh yeah you know i got these the traditional hobnail boots and they used to wear them around the house you know when I right, go shopping right but it's the same madness that results in. in something like Dao which mm. is actually an interesting project mm. because it kind of thematizes you know yeah, this kind of Dao giant, giant Stalinist LARP right? project <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah but it it, it, there, there is a similar thing going mm. into the endless uh, cottage industry of American prestige did people, films did many people know? see Dao because I watched I watched one of the Dao films um, I watched uh, three of them I watched Natasha. Christine the director, Natasha, yeah. of, director of Dao there's two people there's a production designer and there's a woman and a man this is like an insane sort of reality TV style Russian film. Yeah, it was anyway. a Stalinist laugh essentially. They created oh. a, a, a gigantic factory and it, it, it pursued authenticity to a point of uh, of, of kind of tyrannical Ilya excess. So what I want, what I want anyway, to say anyway, about yeah. this Scorsese before we <laughs> yeah, get sorry, too sidetracked um, uh, is that there's a, there's a so there's a sort of phenomenon of the wanna, mm. uh, which like uh, YouTube video essays are fond of celebrating, where a long shot takes in a huge amount of action. Now there isn't, a, there aren't actually any wannas in um in Killers of the Flower Moon, but I feel like the mm. film There's half us. 
yeah there's, there's like there's are some there are some long sweeping shots but this film takes on the what the film's stylistic style style the film style takes on board the logic of the one which is like it doesn't it's not about the composition it's about like the breadth of content that you can kind of cram into mm. one shot. Now we're looking at this. Now we're moving. Yeah, yeah. Here now we're moving to this. So look at all the stuff. Look at the big here. spread that I put you on. Know what, it's like a bay of It's a bank. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like volivants. It's like yeah. that. this is this is the style yeah. of filmmaking that just makes sure you know. It's Visconti. We've got no mm. leopard. You mean? Yeah. No, I mean like Ludwig. I mean like real, real kind of baroque le- late day Visconti. God, baroque is really in the, in the yeah. water at the moment, isn't it? But I think no. There's no. You're right. Baroque allegations. Baroque allegations. That's Scorsese. But yeah, you're right. So there's times where. There are there are flickers in um, this film where there is a slightly interesting use of composition and framing, and it's much more interesting when there's only one figure, maybe mm-hmm. two figures or three in a in a in a shot. And so you get these at the beginning, or when he's treating these bodies that are being discovered, when he first shoots the oil as it's bubbling through this cracked mm-hmm. mud. This is all in the first five minutes. You're like, ooh, this is actually visually quite interesting. And there's a kind of yeah. gauzy blur to how it's shot, and we get these quite there's, there's scenes that look like the opening of uh, Kurosawa's Ran, when his characters are shot against this grassland, mm. very vibrant grass, characters kind of down the bottom third, and there's a big swell of it's the, the angle and the blocking is just very, very interesting. But then, yeah, the film just decide, decides to submerge the kind of those formal things and go, okay, the, the, what matters now is the story and the yeah, pace yeah. of the story. I'll- so it goes out the window, these kind of concerns about how you might interestingly frame uh, the interrogations that happen or the murders that happen. And we get this kind of like slightly Tarantino-esque thing where someone will refer to a thing. It's so, very Tarantino, Yeah, actually. I took out that guy and then we'll get the shot, we'll go back in time oh, and see someone back. So annoying. It's it not schlocky enough. Like, it's like, no. like Tarantino, I will I prepare to watch an Osage uh, Django, Un- <laughs> Django Unchained style film um, for the like for the like because that period detail is serving a kind of genre like mm. it's not my favorite kind of film but like that sort of that sort of thing it, yeah. makes sense and then you it slips into it when you have like Robert De Niro being like you should have shot him in the front of the face now they're back in the face you like mm. you, and then everyone laughs because it's funny but it's like but like you should lean into that a bit more actually because mm. that's like that's the only register in which this period accuracy is really like yeah, worthwhile. Yeah, these, these flashbacks you're not are very irritating. Intima- you're not creating that many intimate moments. Although I think the relationship between Leonardo DiCaprio and Lily Gladstone's character, the um, yeah, the, the the woman, because they have the a wife, real true romance. Yeah, yeah, that that yeah. works quite well. Um, I think Leonardo DiCaprio's journey as as the character, beyond the fact that he just always annoyingly looks like Leo and it mm. distracts me a bit, I think he does a pretty good job of going that journey. The final hour, the final half hour to hour of the film, I found actually really engaging. And I it becomes of, a courtroom drama. Yeah, yeah. Like, quite a well, competently made one. Yeah, yeah. Think, and yeah. it's not too courtroomy, right? It's not mm. too like dialogue heavy. Like it, 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 it rests, like his final dilemma of like, you know, whether he dobs everyone in, whether, like whether he, can t- whether he should well, testify yeah, or not. Yeah, because he has the option to be um, a rat, basically. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And he has to weigh up like, and then this amazing scene, this is a bit of a spoiler, but this amazing scene where like, she he sort of basically admits to her um yeah i did all these killings but i've decided that it was a terrible idea and i'm testifying <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> i'm really sorry and she's like oh okay you know and she really obviously really loves him but then she's like wait a minute what were you feeding me like when these, this diabetes medicine like what was actually he was it? doping her up basically. and yeah, yeah it was clear that he was being instructed and she can't like she can take him killing all her friends and all her family her literal sisters yeah <laughs> but yeah. like but when she realizes that actually he was like like stupid and evil enough or whatever to um mm. uh well it's it's i've got a question whether he's evil or not he just seems to be kind of naive he's but, he's he's yeah. not he's not like a sort of machiavellian or no. iago character he's he's a bit of a dimwit yeah, and yeah, probably yeah. um 
sincere to a fault where he believes everything his uncle would tell him to do is, exactly. is worthy and it's in best interest of the community because this, he says this stuff that. all worked I felt what didn't work yeah. was, was, was Scorsese's sense of and we'll talk a little bit about sort of saviour complexes when we mm. uh, talk about uh, Steve McQueen later but, <laughs> yes, you will. Um, but um, there was a bit of a saviour complex and I, I don't want I know that it's very fraught politics and, and, and I totally understand the impulse of people in North America to want to do the right thing with regards to the historic injustices but you know the way he in the way he uses sort of historical footage or like fake historical footage um some of it's real actually but it's weird it's a weird like black like there's a shot that's black and white then fades into color it really really yeah it's corny. very corny and um, it's a little bit sped up isn't it yeah he sort of uses this juddering he, he uses this appearance. in order to furnish the film with a kind of political mm. legitimacy and you can tell that he's he's kind of trying to have it both ways he's trying to do like a mucky bloody thriller mm. but then also it's like woke it like it like tells an important story yeah it's kind of is it is it is king uh, Hale's character in a way yeah, Scorsese yeah. is kind of him he's almost a sent up version of him yeah, that yeah, would yeah. do murder and he said instead of doing murder I'm making a foot a landing film because yeah, yeah. it's very self-rewarding and it, there's, there's, there's very great kind of ethnographic filmmaking I suppose about these Osage mm -hmm. ceremonies and communities and it's quite nice and interesting to watch mm -hmm. you know these, these subtitles and people talking in their, their language and it's quite mm -hmm. interesting you know just chatting about normal stuff um, but it's kind of self-congratulatory it's yeah. almost like especially at the end yeah it's like look who I've put on screen yeah, yeah, I've yeah, put yeah, yeah. Native Americans he's lead characters in this it's kind of a little bit too proud of what it's doing and then um, there's there's this rather this this outro mm. scene which does what many films based on a real story hollywood films based on a real the story do the wrap up where mm. you where you say this is what this is when these people died how long they served in prison you sort of stop the narrative and then he uses like a weird barbarian sound studio like radio play foley scene mm. to con to announce um you know what happened to everyone afterwards like how long they were in jail because this was a public interest story exactly. so it caught the nation and then yeah. at the very end when they get around to telling the story of um uh, what is the woman's name anna no no is no anna? no no the main woman played by lily gadsden but Ber burkhart molly molly burkhart when Burkhardt. he finally describes what happened to molly burkhart it cuts like Scorsese comes on stage and announces <laughs> and reads out her obituary no. and then says and then Sorry says like, yeah and then mm. says like uh, there was no mention of the murders uh, in the obituary. Mm. And then it, like, and it's just like, like shut the fuck up. Like just get like, this isn't a bad, mm. I don't think he's like an arrogant person, but I just, it just felt like, why do you need to, to tell us that you've done this great thing? Like, just like, you've just told us the story. Don't like, come on. Don't we know how you feel about don't, it. Don't like, don't. Already, yeah. yeah. It's just like we waiting for a stand. We're waiting for, he's waiting for a standing ovation and it, it's just a bit sickly really. Mm. So that like annoyed me a bit, but some good, some very good storytelling along the way, especially. I in feel the like out. it's sort of it like a return yeah. for him. A, a kind of, there's a return to, to, uh, you know, the, the Irishman was a, a, a real sloppy mess that was, mm -hmm. I think just designed to really just appeal to sort of like a, the sort of film bro die hard. I know, mean, Scorsese fans mm. love it. Yeah, they absolutely love it, which is a real red. Like and we're not really Scorsese fans. It takes us back to the territory of maybe a film like The Departed. And I think mm. it operates in yeah. a similar territory of The Departed with a kind of um, a naive character, a kind of right. Machiavellian boss guy. Yeah, Scorsese? Mm. Um, I guess like King of Comedy. Mm, it's got to be King of Comedy, probably. probably yeah. yeah. Or Damn it, that was going to be mine. It's, it's probably objectively his best film, I yeah. think, you know, because he inhabits like quite a ambiguous, morally I do like, I do like Raging Bull, place. actually. Yeah, Raging Bull is really yeah, good, actually, good. yeah. Oh. Um, Taxi Driver is pretty good, but it's not. I think he had an early, he had early career success and has gone into making, he wants to make, he wants to make the great American novel, but in film shape, basically. And yeah. I think a film like, I think Scorsese, you know, 
uh, in his latter days making these epics, which he's mm. been churning out. Mm. Um, I do respect it. Like is, the, he's, the uh, he's sort of like David Lean or something. Mm. No? Or do you, uh, David, do you <laughs> no, know? there is a Leanic, Leanic kind I don't of know, or like, to these films in a way, I think. And I, I sort of hope that in the in the grand march of history, he, he'll be remembered more for his archival uh, mm, Archival work. efforts. He's yeah. like <laughs> film archivist and uh, yeah, yeah. also director. Yeah, you know, he also um, made films, is yeah. what people will say. Uh, yeah, do you know, so yeah. there's something about, one thing I do, I do feel strange about this film, I was watching it and it felt like it had no real moral center and it, it thought it had a moral center about us it, but it felt like it, it was withheld. quite moralistic no? it was but it didn't feel like it really followed through on that mm -hmm. like it felt very kind of passive in a way it was trying not to be I, I felt very unmoved by much of this film and it was trying desperately hard to tug on my heartstrings and, and pull me in a particular way but it was so inevitable the actual kind of like the wrap up you know yeah. it was inevitable that Molly wouldn't die yeah, at the yeah. best of these drugs you know she'd have a kind of like third act saving arc and she a, a well, good well it's based on a real story right so yeah, but is, then they would have picked it if it didn't have this exactly yeah. so we get a story where Molly you know there's a good doctor who arrives and there's a good federal agent you know played by uh, Meth Damon but played by uh, oh yeah Jesse Plemons yeah Jesse yeah, Plemons hilarious. so Jesse Plemons turns up as this good seemingly naive but actually very very smart government investigator and he's like the white knight that turns up at the end and makes it all right um, so there's this big saving grace and it really it really like gasses up. People love him. He's government. like a hero, isn't he? Mm. Just like it's very well cast as the saving great. He's like, cause mm. it's just got he's this. He's so sort of, unoffensive. It's got this kind of folk um, hero mm. heroism. Um, so yeah, so it's, yeah, it's neatness makes it ultimately uninteresting. Yeah. Watch it on your laptop yeah. uh, with your uh, normie partner. Watch it on a plane. Watch on a plane. Oh, actually very God, good yes. plane film. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a, a three and a half hour flight. If you're flying to maybe Bucharest or Istanbul or something, this is a perfect. Yeah, film you're inspired after you watch inspired you. after. Do not expect <laughs> yeah. the end of the world. <laughs> Everyone's going to I don't think the, um, I don't think you can actually watch close the fan moon in the time it takes to fly to Romania because it is three and a half hours. Mm. Or maybe Romania is three and a half hours away. Yeah, I think it's quite far. So you have to get it on as soon as like the yeah. Yeah. no smoking sign. Once wheels are up and you've got your yeah. bag of pretzels, then yeah. whack her close to the phone. Yeah. yeah, I think it's yeah for flying mm. to America probably. Anyway, mm. um, I think best. I think we conclude on the McQueen actually. Yeah, um, because it's all three of us. Um, oh, and Europa we have to talk about. But I'm just going to do a quick uh, review of quite an important film of the festival, um, May December, by Todd mm. Haynes. Uh, memory we also have. and we have to yeah, yeah we got we got oh, to go I'm going to step into the shadows sorry. Um, but yes we will talk about uh, yeah, yeah, coming up memory a big disagreement between myself and George um, about about the new Michel Franco but May December uh, is a kind of a melodrama I suppose every Todd Haynes film is a melodrama in a way um, starring Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman as one woman shadowing another for the purposes of portraying her in a film. The subject of the film is a woman who was put in jail for having sexu a sexual relationship with a 13-year-old boy who 16 years, no, 24 years later, uh, she has now married, still married happily uh, uh, with, with children. Um, spicy. It's very spicy age gap. Another second age gap relationship for this festival. Oh, Brea uh, as well. Brea, yeah, Brea yeah. had a May December vibe. Um, Natalie Portman, who yeah, I don't third, want third if you count uh, memories in the second childhood of oh, dementia. Yeah, yeah, true, true, true. Uh, <laughs> true. Um, yes, yeah, so May December, it's it's kind of yeah, like it returns to the sort of more transgressive thematic energy of uh, well, I suppose a lot of his films think about transgression, but po poison, um, for instance. But yeah, also, I mean, 
all of these films have all of his films have a sort of circian sense of transgression maybe not the Bob Dylan one I didn't see that um, but yes it's, it uses like so many great American films at the moment uh, as I find myself frequently saying it's about it has this post about filmmaking quality that I think mm. kind of helps its its case Julianne Moore I don't often I'm, on this podcast we're not fond of uh, uh, esteeming actors above uh, auteurs uh, but Julianne Moore is certainly someone who I I will I will, I'll be more likely to watch a film because of her presence in the mm. starring role. She is absolutely electrifying. Although she has a strange lisp that comes and goes in it. But anyway, this, mm. this, is, this is a small small um Fifth thing. Yeah. Fifth um but yes, she plays like a deeply basically seemingly a deeply delusional person, although various facts around this uh ex- somewhat ex- possibly exploitative relationship, although the exploit the sense of exploitation has been removed now that the two, uh, the two people in the relationship are adult, consenting adults. Um, but yeah, there's this, there's this obvious uncomfortableness. One of the opening scenes, she receives a package of dog shit uh, from a from a stranger uh, in her in her letterbox, which Natalie Portman finds and gives to her, and, and not realizing what's in it. Um, so there's there's a sense of menace. There's a sense of a, of a kind of ta- someone who's been scoured by the tablet. She's spent time in jail. She's on the sex offenders register. There's a kind of cachet vibe to this. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's like a Hanukkah uh, postage. But it's all on. Yeah. The, it's in Long Island, or no, maybe not. It's in Georgia, but it's like on the coast. So she's like called this coastal. It's quite nice coastal. She lives very near to all these the, these uh, members of her family of her previous marriage, um, who uh, are all kind of a bit like frustrated with her in different ways. Um, so she lives a very uh, odd existence making cakes for people it later transpires that these cakes are she's basically been given something to do people are ordering these um, there's, there's a line where someone says you know how many how many pineapple upside down cakes does, does one person need uh, you know Julianne Moore's character is this delusional housewife who's just kind of completing tasks for no reason just to keep her out of trouble mm. Um She's perfor- getting lost in work. Exactly. Say, yeah. The performance of her partner, um, who is this, yeah, this half Korean guy who was 13 when they met in a pet shop uh, that she worked at, uh, that they both worked at, um, is uh, is really interesting. His character starts off not really having much of an identity, and then we 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 get to find a lot more about him. He collects bugs. There's this amazing. Uh, ongoing. Uh, that sounds like a very Haynes detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's, there's the stuff. The stuff he's messaging a girl on the Facebook group for this particular kind of bu- like bu- bug and butterfly that that he's like this chrysalis. Respect. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he um, has this strange like limerence with someone he's never met. Um, who... That's got to be a reference to like the woman in the dunes. Could be. Could be. Why do you? Iconic bug collecting guy. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Could be. Could be. One of the great entomologists. One of the great. Yeah, I forgot about the entomology aspect Um, of that film. But yes. mm. So there's 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 various like very yeah Haynesian details uh, to this romance. Um, It's produced by Netflix. It's actually I think probably the last uh, outcome of Netflix's um, very uneven uh, run of produced in-house produced works which i think i guess began maybe with quaron's aroma continued with marriage story which i thought was very good sort of um, um hit its r- rocky crescendo with blonde right the, yes yeah uh, exactly uh, and now now may december which um yeah it, it will so it will be on netflix at some point um, maybe they'll get the box set treatment at some time yeah interesting to consider netflix. this as a little yeah it's strange as I, don't, an oeuvre. I don't know why netflix is stepping maybe they just lost loads of money when people they weren't they've lost they've stopped making money across right, the board because okay. yeah. obviously made loads of money in pandemic and then mm. yeah 
But anyway, um, it's it's interesting that yeah, quite a commercially oriented film uh, should be so good. It's like original IP. It's not fucking based on. It's not a film about a famous person. It's not based on a really famous book series or something. It, it's. I mean, it might be based on a book. Who wrote the script? Uh, I think it's written by Todd Haynes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm. Um, I might just double check that. But yeah, um, yeah, it's really good. That the final scene, which is like a scene from the uh, the film that they're making, didn't quite work for me. It sort of slightly missed its last final punch. But uh, I was just so enraptured by the vast majority of it. Um, yeah, it's like it's got this kind of absurdity. There's there's lots of like tra- transgressive like nonsense. So actually, sorry, uh, it was written by Sammy Birch who is also known for writing The Hunger Games. Wow. <laughs> yeah. They weren't, they weren't okay. bad films. Mm. Really? No, okay. They're fine. Great performance from okay. um, late, uh, great, come on, guy from Magnolia. Uh, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. He'll <laughs> <laughs> come yeah. to me. Dead, the guy. dead, dead. Heroin over this. Oh, uh, Heath Ledger. No. No, he's not in Magnolia. Who's the, who's uh, uh, this is Cine- Cinecdoki, New York? Oh, Phil Seymour Hoffman. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Moment. I was having a Seymour moment. Seymour moment, yeah. Having a memory moment. It was a Seymour. There's a segue. There's a segue. He was a Seymour Buzz. Exactly. Yeah. So, and this is when you realise that I actually confected this entire thing to enable <laughs> that segue. <laughs> so, sure, sure, sure. It feels natural um, to shift into talking about the new Michel Franco film. Michel Franco. So you thought, wait, wait. So May December. Oh, yeah. Good. You you think it was good? It was when I saw it. My favourite film of the festival. Mm. Um, wow. I'm not. Oh, actually, apart from the Jude, but mm. I had seen the Jude in a different moment. Mm. Um, but yes. Uh, May December really good. Okay. Uh, it's like not totally perfect, but it's a kind of a. I, I don't know. I, I didn't. Like, it's better than Carol, definitely, uh, which was also good. I mean, he's just a good filmmaker, uh, yes, and yeah. he's and he's not lost his bite. He's not become apologetic. He he's got this real, like way of. Uh, I mean, maybe it wasn't. Yeah, I guess totally written by him, but it, yeah, it, it's got the the, the Haynes stamp, and you know, melodramas are still. Uh, I mean, the music is very heavy and almost too much sometimes, but it, it's like. The music is like a combination of the Halloween theme tune and um, the Succession theme tune. It has this okay, like okay. real belligerent banging, like when is it ever- Clint Mansell or something. Oh, I'm gonna look Yeah, it's yeah. Um, but anyway, it's it May December. It's uh, it will be out in cinemas and on your Netflix screen very soon, I think. But um, yeah, mm. definitely worth checking out. Good fun um, and genuinely like quite moving at times as well. Okay. Um, so yeah, and Natalie Portman is so back. And Natalie Portman, yeah. yes, Natalie Portman is. One note on Natalie Portman. I think she's had work done. She looks like <laughs> she looks like young. You hear first, she looks like young, but not but in a different way than when, she, this story? than when she looked young. Yeah. Which is a kind of you know, and her um, face doesn't quite move Portman as much as Botox it did in, yeah. in Black Black Swan. More than Botox. I don't know. I don't. Know. I don't want to throw. Out. I might be completely wrong. Well, allegations. True. Um, um, but Let's see. Let's see. I thought you were looking up whether there was, who the composer was. Yeah, no. we got sidelined with uh, uh, commenting of... on women's bodies. Um, <laughs> never that, never that on Return to Form. Yeah, but, there, um, could be, there could be a little bit of Botox. But she, no, she looks different from that as well. Oh, really? She, more, more inflated. More just still. still I don't know. Serene. Anyway, okay. I, 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 I digress massively. Um, I think it's an amazing performance from her. Mm. But she, what's so beautiful, the beautiful detail is that she plays a famous actress who is well known and well recognized by people in the community she's visiting mm. for this shadowing work. Um, uh, and she's recognized from a famous TV show that she was in called Nora's Ark. 
which I just thought was a beautifully, nice beautifully detail. written detail. Mm. But yes, her character, she gets completely sort of lost in the source. It's a, it's a nice, um, it's kind of an actor's film. I think it's like a film about mm. the process that actors go through when they try to be someone else and when being being someone who really existed and trying to kind of like understand them, but also get uh, that she's constantly um, uh, invited to by the friends and family of of the main character to tell the real story i be nice to her present a kind of faithful recognition of her um so yeah portman portman on great form julianne moore on absolutely stunning uh form which which sounds a bit like adaptation then yeah somewhat although it's not as meta it doesn't have mm -hmm. that kind of like meta self-consciousness which is a good thing i think but Mm -hmm. um yeah but yeah just swimming around in my head just this this kind of doubling and sort of yeah shadowing thing about yeah Um, it's nice to know that melodrama is a viable form still it definitely is yeah i mean one of our favorite filmmakers ever david lynch was bit is is like the master of the melodrama in a lot of ways you know it's a completely melodrama vernacular yeah 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 um so as as previously threatened and advertised Mm. uh we are now going to talk about Michel Franco's memory. Can we get a little recap on Michel Franco's career? Was After Lucia his first film or one of his first second, films? No, it wasn't. There was this film Daniel and Anna okay. before the one. Uh, so After Lucia was his second so film. So I think we all agree that the best film by Michel Franco that we've seen is After Lucia, which was mm. shot on a DSLR in 2012. And it's, a, it's about a sort of very insidiously escalating uh, case of bullying. Um, of, of, of a young girl uh, who's sort of it's a sort of scarlet letter situation she's mm. sort of ca- caught via, via video uh, shared around her so you've class. been publicly shamed yeah, yeah. Uh, of her uh, snogging and, and uh, fucking a, a guy uh, in her year and then this this this, this makes her life becomes hell and then um, the, the sort of uh, the sort of enormous uh, kind of inevitable violence of well, yeah. not inevitable violence of the father yes uh, yeah, know, yeah. Against, well it's not spoiling uh, yeah, but yeah after but, Lucia mm. um, has superbly a, controlled and paranoid and and, mm. and, and, and uh, unflinching from the kind of viciousness of beautifully composed yeah. if you mm. take nothing else away from this yeah. uh, this review of memory it, it should be watch after Lucia but I did which not I, see memory so which I'm we all agree about, is better but I know you, you two are going to come to loggerheads about this um, actually my ferocity towards it has, has dimmed a bit and now mm. it just, it's kind of uh, uh, evened out into that shrug emoji um, <laughs> well, yeah, one, I, I'm one sure I there. no doubt but I will be able to reinvigorate you with, <laughs> with my uh, any any my any, any hint of enthusiasm will probably be enough to bring it back. <laughs> so mem- the, the the premise of memory is uh, forgetting begins with a, a rather uh, mysterious scene. Uh, it opens with a woman in, in an AA celebrating her thirteenth year uh, sober in AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, um, and, and then, it's profoundly ugly from the get go, right? No, I think these, these opening shots are nice. I like it. It's good. I hate well, the bit. shallow depth of nice. field already. No, it's oh. good. Um, anyway, uh, otherwise, I think the cinematography is very pedestrian, but we'll get to that. Um, this woman played by Jessica Chastain, who I was thinking actually would be would play Julianne Moore's daughter really well. They yeah, the same yeah kind true, of true. High cheek. Um, but uh, yes, she is followed after after un- reluctantly attending a high school reunion. Um, she's followed home by a guy at the reunion, uh, a mysterious bearded guy played by Peter Sarsgaard. Uh, this guy then just like stays outside her flat for the whole night. Um, and uh, it is then it then emerges after she kind of uh, helps him get home that he has extremely early onset dementia and doesn't really know a lot of the time what he's doing. Um, she then accuses him of having uh, raped and helped someone else rape uh, her uh, repeatedly when they were both at school. Uh, but then this 
story itself seems to then have been possibly misremembered because they didn't attend the school at the same time, according to official records. Um, and then they have this kind of friendship and relate, uh, and then kind of romance, which is undergirded by this constant challenging of of memory and stories. She is overcome by this uh, trauma at some point in in her childhood. She you know she was abused. It may it then emerges it may have been her father. Um, he is uh, is a kind of constant blank slate. He keeps forgetting things that happened, but he has this kind of affable friendliness um, that that uh, greases the wheels of their of their relationship. She is um, she works in an adult daycare center, and then the family of of this man um, take a shine to her and hire her as his as his as his full time carer. Um, yeah, it's uh, I think I thought, uh, and I will throw to you to challenge this assertion, uh, but I thought it was a conceptually coherent. Um, quite poorly shot um, uh, and sometimes overly repetitive uh, but well characterized and well performed story that um, Moldova made some interesting juxtapositions of themes in Moldova some issues that um, uh, some ideas some dynamics that uh, felt re- reasonably engaging and, and so, uh, at times moving hmm okay well I'm, I'm happy I'm happy <laughs> I thought it was that is mal- the essence of criticism it? <laughs> I thought it was maladroit sophomoric it was aiming for a, a, a solemnity that was incapable to achieve it was like it had been it mishandled all of its moments of true dramatic potential attention um, and it, it fluffed the and kind of fluff the bag on most of them even this pursuit scene that you described from the mm-hmm. uh right, right from the off the scene you didn't like from the from from the get-go i thought yeah. the way the way uh the way the way it was shot i mean uh the, all of it in fact um and what the entire film presented was just like such a, a wild bled dry of like all sensuousness or um even as it was trying to actually uh, transmit this quite heartwarming uh, tale of uh, kind of forbidden love. Um, it it was executed with such charmlessness, such sheer ugliness that I couldn't look past this. I mean, like I couldn't. I, the story was not sufficiently um, enticing for me to be able to like disengage from uh, how horrendous uh, all of the, <laughs> all of the shots looked for its entire duration. And like, I, I know you're going to say, look, it's innocuous. Everything looks as bad. But I, I do think <laughs> if you've seen something, that's fine if you're seeing something from somebody, all of whom's films look dreadful. But fresh it's not mo- intentional. But I, I don't know if this is so different. He's from... capable of moments mm. of real but, but, lucidity and beauty. So with Arthur Lucia, even for its starkness, is a very beautiful film. Sundown has its moments, but Sundown is kind of relatively. No, but Sundown shot. was executed competently, and mm. here, for instance, yeah, I Sundown thought, is, but looks much better. Mm. Right, and uh, there was a, there was just a real. What I what, what all right? What really jarred with me here was the sloppiness. Um, mm. It it seemed that in critical moments throughout the script. Uh, the first idea that would appear to you, like the, the, everything was first draft to me. So, for instance, this the song that uh, in in his kind of sundowning. Um, I've just realised actually that both films are about depletion and de- deterioration of one's True. mind, right? Yeah. Um, so maybe that is that maybe that's his theme. new yeah. his new theme. Uh, everyone's new theme at the moment. It seems. Yeah, senescence in general, aging so, well, aging society. So he's getting, yeah, he's, he's worried. Catching he's the looking, bug early. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so he's he's continually uh, listening on a loop to whiter shade of pale, you know. It's like, which I, I just I found like the <laughs> I cor- didn't actually recognize this song. The so corniest, I, I, most obvious this, choice. And then there's a you know there's another scene when another scene when he sat there with uh, with the um, 
with his carer slash lover's daughter playing Guess Who. Um, and they yeah. just not, they, the, not, very, not, a, not in a profound moment. They, uh, they, but they thought it was profound. And it, did should, it? I, I really think so. I think this film was very smugly uh, convinced of its own. Um, uh, of its own heartwarming potential. And uh, I was resolutely unmoved for the entirety. And it's a shame because I do think both of them are trying their best and they're pretty good performances. And I think the, the mother actor was quite good as well. I but liked her turn. Also, it was signaling like every... <laughs> um, the revelation of uh, the severity of um, the abuse to which she's been subjected when she was a kid mm-hmm. uh, is again a scene that is just like so consummately mishandled that you wondered... You wonder, like, I I wondered, like, why why is he why is he making films? Like, if if he, if he really just doesn't have the instincts in how to uh, execute this with any any measure of like uh, sensitivity or truth. what the family scene? Yeah, I thought I, this was really well blocked. I thought this had the great dynamic. Not at all. It's a, it's a guy, this guy just lingering on the frame of the shot and then meaninglessly kind of intruding at certain points. And the, like the, the brother. Yeah, this was and great. Also, the, the discomfort the, of this was amazing. And very there similar was no to the best moments of after there. there was no truth to it. It, it. it felt to me like a sophomoric in the genuine sense of like an adult, adolescent, you know, when they write often like their, you know, juvenile first story, they feel they have to go for big themes. They have to go, have to go for like, you have to go for... Uh, uh, Sometimes big themes come off. Right, but then arguably he's always pursued. But this big did themes, not feel you know, like uh, yeah. child abuse, rape, um, sort of mental right, decline. Right, but once he was murder, able, he was able to step um, up to violence, the plate. But yeah. here I just had the feeling that this. I was think the a... difference is like by the sounds of it, I've not seen this. I'll have to be the tiebreaker when I see it. Is that yeah. in earlier <laughs> films maybe he's operated in a space where he's not disclosed? There's been. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot has been held back so you somewhat know, the case with this Sundown but yeah. holds back its big reveal until the, the end um, yeah. and also was which and was also the, I, mistake I of, the mistake of Sundown was revealing Lucia, was, was yeah. really after mm. Lysia leaves a lot of its uh, you know sort of it's, it's very much just the bone the fat is stripped away oh, you know so the, good, the death of the mother the, yeah. the kind of all the context around you know mm. we, we're given very little to go on Right. Um, you know, so we don't see crucial scenes like her rape. We don't. Mm-hmm. We don't witness. Mm-hmm. We're not in the room when that happens. It's implied. So he he's quite good at kind of holding back, I suppose. Yeah, off-screen space not here us. was not mm. not really Fair enough. not a, really utilised. Uh, I just feel like with Michelle Franco again, I'll need to see this. But it's it's funny. I don't feel like the, it, Do you feel like there's like a, an established Michelle Franco style? If you were I, showing I, I, these, I, you know, after this, a, I, after this, I don't think mm, he's an auteur. I, I, yeah. um, <laughs> I mean, he is technically in it. I mean, he he, made, he directs films and he has, I think he he's has. He's no Radu Jude, is what I'm saying. No, when I, you say auteur, you I, mean I like think it's because good. I saw it on the same day as the Jude. I think there's also mm. a cast a negative paler over over it but um it should hold high, high standards for everything yeah and check I, on the gen- generally i think i was also smarting from like how rapturous a reception i'd heard that this had received at venice a seven minute ovation what is really why is everyone anyone uh, giving anything under seven minute ovation what, about are they worried, everyone's yeah. making dementia are they worried so? they're going to be shot if when they're, right they're a tawdry seven minute Maybe uh, everyone in the audience had dementia drama. and they forgot they'd been clapping <laughs> for seven minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah true, yeah, true, true. Yeah, what did I just watch again? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you do you do get <laughs> this feeling good. when you read a Bradshaw review, to be honest, you know. By paragraph three, yeah, what's he really really you're, 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 you're <laughs> yeah. making this narcolepsy uh, allegation of Peter Bradshaw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every time well, you read it. Sure. I will yeah. defend, it. defend um, it. Okay, so we... we, we Okay, so we've not really reached a point of catharsis on that. They're, 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 we're not sufficiently dialectical. I, I just can't wait to forget memory. it. I, yeah. I, I think I will have forgotten it sufficiently by next week. And okay, then good. I can... Uh, there, was, um, fitting. there was an interesting thing that Peter Sarsgaard said in, um, uh, in an interview 
Mm. Uh, at the, on the red carpet that he was very and this is a bit of a banal observation but you know all the scenes are filmed in one take like uh, after you see it lots of the dialogue scenes are not shot reverse shot they're just like master shots like this podcast mm. at the moment mm-hmm. um, and that this allows for you to sort of develop a performance which yeah, I think is a very admirable technique yeah, you're not chopping it does, up the, uh, it does yeah it does it does make for like nice moments in all, he shoots in sequence as well does he okay. Okay, yeah. that's, that's, um, uh-huh. so there is a I mean, sense of building to do that, but no you don't it does sometimes help Mm. Um, and uh, yeah there's just a lot of people going in and out of rooms and a lot of like string repetition that just doesn't really and a lot work. a lot of visual redundancy I mean like yeah yeah of course you know, I mean that's like, I, would, yeah, no, yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't defend it against those allegations mm-hmm. but there we are memory not uh, beating the redundancy allegations yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you will have to. Uh, I think well, I, I would say to people like worth a watch if it's on movie and you don't, you know. Mm. But anyway, it's uh, if you haven't seen After Lucia, you should watch that instead. Uh, weirdly hard to get a hold of. Well, actually, I think you can stream After Lucia, but yeah. Anyway, um, I am now going to have to talk about a film that neither of my uh, companions saw. Uh, which one do you want me to talk about Sweet East or Horde first I want to hear about Sweet East because okay. I was on the cusp of seeing this and didn't curious. quite manage to get to it so and then I want you to knives out for, for Horde we don't know if that's what I'm going to say can we reset for a second yeah because I need to yeah. piss The Sweet East is the debut feature by Sean Price Williams who is a DOP typically a very experienced DOP mm. who's been working very. in the American indus, uh, indie scene for uh, since the mid aughts basically. Um, he DOP'd on Frownland by Ronald Bronstein, which is quite a cult, cult classic of the sort of Marblecore adjacent world. He worked with Alex Ross Perry on all of the, all of your favourite Alex Ross Perry films. Listen up for the Queen of Earth, Queen on Earth, Queen of Earth. Anyway, um, the ones with uh, Elizabeth Moss. More recently, he. DOP'd Good Time by the Safety Brothers and also a couple of films by Eugene Kotlarenko, friend of the show. Yeah, Zeros um, and Ones famously. That, that, did that. he DOP Zeros and Ones? He did Wobble Palace for sure, mm. yeah. Um, so a very experienced and very exciting uh, cinematographer. In many ways, thinking about the breadth of those films and the people he's worked with, you know, definitely one of the DOPs you would be more keen to see a feature from. Uh, add to that that it's written by Nick Pinkerton, uh, a sort of sight and sound critic, well, just freelance film critic, uh, film writer. Um, I'll switch your mic on. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yes, and writer recently of this quite lovely small purple book about uh, Simon Yang's Goodbye Dragon Inn. Anyway, that is that is the personnel. Uh, it stars Talia Ryder, who's uh, quite a new actor. She's quite young, she's 21, I think. Um, and then a, a strange range of uh, difficult and odd men. Uh, the premise, basically, is a woman adrift. We don't really know much about where she's coming from. She tells lots of people different stories about uh, where she's come from. She drifts through various different scenes that have various different uh, political perspectives. She hangs out with some punks led by this uh, uh, crazy, uh, heavily pierced, especially on his penis, uh, uh, sort of skater punk guy played by Earl Cave who lives in a squat and does anti-fascist actions while she's on this anti-fascist action she sort of uh, gets a bit lost uh, and ends up at the fascist action that is being targeted by the anti-fascists who never, who never actually find the anti-fascists there she meets uh, a very dashing Simon Rex the, uh, the famous porn star who's recently taken a, a quite a brilliant I think turn 
into acting and things that aren't porn. Um, he plays a, a kind of a hyper sincere, but also quite um, quite affectionate, um, far right uh, whack job. Um, who sort of he takes her under her wing. Obviously, her her general young youth and attractiveness is sort of a factor here, but he doesn't uh, doesn't exploit it. She sort of does exploit it at various points, and this uh, takes her across to the next stage of her life, which is uh, in New York. Uh, she runs off with some money, and she meets these uh, these uh, young black filmmakers who are making a kind of uh, film about the the birth of America, uh, reframing it from a sort of non-white perspective. Um, alongside this, she's uh, playing uh, alongside a, a famous English actor who's actually played by Jacob Elordi. Um, and uh, and then there's this kind of crescendo, this, this like mm, schlocky massacre that happens on the set. No one really b uh, b believes that it's uh, happening because the film is full of all these strange... Uh, the film within a film. Again, another American film... Uh, I, I, I maybe talk about this in a moment, actually, this this because it fits very well into this tendency. But um, another American film about filmmaking um, sounds very like Andrea Arnold coded. I haven't seen this. American Honey. Is that yeah, what you're referring I'm to? I'm thinking yeah, yeah. about this kind of road mm. trippy, kind of American, slightly hypno hypnagogic kind of journey through the American soul in a sense. Yeah, it's, kind of, it's very much. I mean, mm. I don't know that much about. I haven't been to America very much, but there's one mm. thing people always say about America: it's that um, whoever you meet in America, they always tell you this isn't the real America. You know, mm. and 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 yeah. the sheer vastness of America, the sheer the fact that you you can really go on the run and like not be found well it's, yeah it's uh, that kind of sh the tendency you see modern filmmakers as well like Sean, Sean Baker as yeah, well yeah, yeah, yeah. Got these, these oh, so it's, it's Mikey from Red Rocket yeah so there's a continuity there's a kind of idea of these uh -huh. these, these these edges and fringes yeah America, exactly think, yeah. it's a very it's um, a very uh, energetic film right from the start the opening scene is her in bed with this guy who's like playing a funny trick uh, with a sort of condom full of cum with her like sort of t taunting her a bit with it um, it has like Classic it, joke. and then you know she like says retarded in the first week. It just immediately announces itself as like a film. Like don't like if you're a pussy, like get out. Like it, it just it has this kind of prickly edge, but not in a mm. overly performative like. But it's not actors. No, it's not. Um, okay. I think Peter Vac and Betsy Brown have like a really small cameo in it really early on. Okay, but uh, mm. I might be wrong it's about the that. Dime Square Extended Universe. It is part yeah. of that universe, I guess. But as mm. as people from that universe often say, like this isn't actually a scene. It's just like a it's few people mates, who yeah. know each other, and that's yeah. the case wherever you go. Mm. Uh, if you know in a, in a, in a city, uh, but yes, it is a um, it's a tremendous feat. But I think it does lose its way. There are sort of baggy bit because it's episodic and picaresque. There are bits where you just sort of get stuck in one place, mm. and there's a there's a it's a gift and a curse. The fact that this protagonist is constantly borrows her personality from whoever she last hung out with. Um, it makes for great moments of humor, and it allows everyone you meet to project themselves beautifully onto this character. Mm. Um, I think that broadly works, but it is a little frustrating to sort of just basically be looking at a pretty face who can't quite manifest as anything else. Um, but nevertheless, the performance from Talia Ryder is, is really compelling. Um, yeah, it's, it's a film that I think I don't really have a huge amount more to say about it. Weirdly, even though it's quite rich and bold and, and I, I think it's a, it's a very promising debut. Um, it made me return to some of the films that he had DOP'd, um, particularly Frownland by Ronald Bronstein, which is a really interesting effort. 
um like a like a bit like yeast by mary bronstein actually um the but like but like yeah, yeah like but but, but sort of more ma- ma- masculine uh, sort of uh, uh yeah, kind of misanthropic uh, version but yeah it's um i do think something's happening with and maybe there's a scene right you have like the rehearsal by nathan fielder mm, uh you john have wilson. you have john uh, how to with john wilson you have the adam friedland show you have even i extended this to succession i'm not sure if it's appropriate but like succession is also about media mm-hmm. this film rotting in the sun recently which i did really like um lots of really i'm sure there are other examples that i'm i'm forgetting right now but uh, lots of really good contemporary culture coming from america is I mean, about louis you know also who yeah uh, louis ck L- L- his like back in the day yeah yeah no. yeah which actually True. i mean there have, yeah there have been like shows about i mean yeah. seinfeld i get you know there have been mm. like shows about comedians but there's this particular moment right now where there's like a meta-ness that's being lent on for mm-hmm. the kind of dramatic edge well, it, 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 i think it, it, it reflects like you know maybe a cultural industry in decline or in chaos in some senses yeah, you know it's definitely. beginning to refract itself through itself it's kind of mm-hmm. going back into the archives and going well what is this what are we doing you know it hasn't got the confidence of like the golden age of hollywood where yeah you can't that, just tell yeah, stories you can't just tell stories because yeah. the stories aren't presenting themselves anymore the what constitutes a story mm-hmm. is different mm-hmm. so you know kind of in its in its, in its makeup and in its, its kind of uh, ingredients so maybe it's uh yeah maybe it reflects a certain high degree of media literacy amongst mm. the you know we've, we've never been more literate and in, in theory more canny mm. as spectators at the same time we are um sort of uh buffeted and but and it's funny that it, it is that funny that it's happening process. now because mm. like there was the malkovich kind of, spike john's way way there's a 90s gen x wave but it's of, coming of back of now wow. third world but that was more like the form. kind of I, I guess like the infinite jest it was this kind of it, it deep it was this kind of uh carefully postmodern approach mm. and this isn't postmodernism. this is something else i think yeah perhaps it's yeah it yeah. seems to be the thing that's giving things at the moment there I don't know. It's certainly it, the most interesting American, yeah, visual. Is it safe? Is it safe? Right go, go, I don't know what the story is. People, there aren't stories. I mean, it, out it's there, definitely. So, uh, I mean, it, look inwards. Yeah, it's definitely like if you, if you, if you can't do, if you don't have the money to do the Scorsese thing of like a kind of uh, a kind of pristine recreation of something, then it's a, a much a very interesting strategy to like break it all down and break break the fourth wall. I wonder whether it's also off a piece with a kind mm. of auto-fictional turn, right? Like mm. it's a it's a kind of okay. You know what I mean? It's the the um, the dramatization of the dramatization of this kind of recursive kind of recursive. I think social media is mm. like also a factor, like the, the the looking like at one looking watching oneself being watched. Uh, and some variation on the bird. I just realized we're actually in a recursive corridor here with the kind of projector and uh, mm. true true true. true, true. Yeah. 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 But this is um, yeah. There is a, I mean, rotting in the sun is a sort of about a social media personality as well. So there are these. Mm. The, the, it, it, it's that's probably also in the water. Although social media has been around now for a very long time, so it's it is. Well, perhaps it's because mm. it is so markedly tearing apart. American society, you know. True, you know. and I suppose the sweeties mm. does reflect on this. This you have lots of people from different wings of, and what's quite, um, it shouldn't be that impressive, but it is good that well, this even, film even isn't like a, it's a, way, a liberal film that kind of dips tries his toe to, yeah. into the idea of spectatorship because ultimately this coda we talked about, we're given mm. the the story, we're not just given the epic, we're given the epic as it was received by the wider American yeah. public. That sounds you know. so annoying. But it, it sounds very, like the end of Black Klansman, yeah. if you remember. I didn't see it, but yeah, oh, yeah this yeah, is yeah, a very, fucking hell. But this, yeah. this, this meta-ness undermines mm. the project, whereas I think when the, uh, the, the these kind of indie projects we're talking about, it's kind More of, integral. it's a central mm. t- tenet of the way the thing works. Um, 
Radio Jude also to an extent self-reflexive, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a different tradition. But exactly, it's yeah, sort of more literary kind of Euro tradition, I think. But oh, what was that? Is someone killing a cat? I think cat, cats are trying to Mate, fuck or kill each got other. Fucking cats! Amazing. I might have to go out with some water and, and dampen the. I did happen at 4 a.m. once. I was I was asleep and like I had to just like throw some water on a cat to stop them because it was so loud. It's a classic medieval trope. That's very Rabelaisian throwing water on some fucking cat. Yeah, shut up! Shut up! Just, yeah. just throw your slops out on them. <laughs> so yeah, um, the sweet anyway. the sweet east. Uh, definitely go see it. Definitely an exciting mm. film. Not perfect, but uh, it did have okay. this amazing Casavetian like. Ooh. punch to it mm. that just made me like feel faces, like, like yeah yeah I felt yeah. after seeing it I was like fuck yeah we can all just like we can go out there and we can see the world in our in our own way and we can depict it like everything is there like the material is all around you mm. it's a film that very much imbibes that and um, Faces is my favourite American film is it? Mm. interesting yeah, yeah it does have yeah. a bit of a Faces energy it's like Faces mixed with maybe Greg Araki I guess Ooh. like Doom Generation mm. Greg Araki it has this yeah, it has this um, it's like punky like ad- adventure quality. Well, yeah, because this is this is drawing out of the this is sipping from the Kool Aid of, of you know Harmony Korean as well. You know these true, these, true, these, true. these these quite like it's not an underground, um, but there's a sense of formal experimentation, weirdness, yeah, um, underbelliness of yeah. American culture, which I think these films are quite good. And Sean Baker in a different way, even though he's he's a he's a, the, the wholesome end of the wedge. You know, yeah. you know Julian Donkey Boys are the true. the bitter end. It's the bitter pill. Also, the no, opening there's the, a wholesomeness to, the, to, to Harmony. That's yeah. true. The opening sequence of this film, the main character sings a song, and you never hear the song again. You never hear her sing again. But it's just quite a nice. Mm. Like she's just in a bathroom. It starts with this kind of like Pizzagate style raid. She's in the bar, and then like this woman comes in with a. Uh, a massive uh, like shotgun oh, and, awesome. and says to the guy at the bar like I know you're raping children in the basement I know it. don't <laughs> deny it you know and then like she this just happened though didn't she it? Starts, somebody did actually go yeah, this yeah, yeah, she starts shooting around and then like the main character like runs out with the, the Earl Cave guy um, awesome. yeah I, I mean the more I talk about it the more I'm like you sound ex- really ex- hyped, up about hyped it, again yeah. yeah it just isn't like yeah it's sort of it's it's a worthy, a very ambitious and worthy, great uh, essay, try, attempt. Mm. I'm now going to just quickly run through Horde by Luna Carmoon, which is uh, one of the most popular films at the festival in terms of like, uh, it's a debut and there was a massive queue um, to go and see it, uh, even amongst the, the press. Uh, it's a fund funded by the bbc bbc films and by the bfi uh this director has made a series of shorts including uh shag bands uh, most recently which came, came out in 2020 uh it is a film that starts with the childhood of its protagonist uh living with a uh, her mother a single mother who's a compulsive hoarder in a very very um in a kind of cheerful but completely decaying and dilapidated uh domestic environment uh, she then uh, ends up in foster care. We jump ahead to the present day where she has a kind of after sun style. Um, no, that's uh, <laughs> I say after sun style romance. After sun is about a, a father, father, and a father and daughter. Yeah. But she there's um, this kind of Peter, Paul Mescal style guy who she has this kind of he's got a girlfriend, but they have this like dirty, mucky, play fighting romance. Uh, that is implied. It's implied that he's kind of basically not happy with his girlfriend, and he really wants to be with. Be like like she taps into a side of him that that excites her more um you know 
it's drab, it's manipulative, it's heavy-handed. What do you expect? It's a film, British. a British film funded British by the film. BFI. Um, uh, it uses music in a kind of like a very like annoying way that it ends on um, what's it called? Every everything but the girl. A step mm. out the play. Anyway, um, yes, I think basically, I think someone, someone uh, on on Twitter, uh, who I was, we were having a chat with on the Return to Form, um, uh, uh, Twitter account, made a good point about this that it, it, you know, one doesn't want to be too mean because basically, this seems like a very personal work for very, everyone involved, mm. but like it, it gets completely lost in translation. Uh, unfortunately, so much. Of, of, of British film is basically people having a, a profound experience in their life, trying to communicate this experience and failing um, in a way that feels authentic to them, uh, but actually doesn't work as a film because they haven't themselves mastered the tools of film in yeah. a way where you're, you're whereby trauma, they can make deliberate, mining, yeah, whereby you know, they can make deliberate yeah. decisions. It's I think this was Shane Meadows thing with yeah. Dead Men's Dead Men's Shoes. I think also true of After Sun, although I think After Sun is a better film than this. Mm. Um, this film relies really heavily on extremely manipulative t- uh, moments of. Uh, signaling a little bit like the short the mother of mine short that we talked oh about God. where various objects were identified and as being like ciphers for the grief hairbrush. there's a moment where um, uh, in the in the childhood sequence the mother daubs her daughter with chalk as a, as a way of showing how she loves her and then we later see uh, a, a man she's interested in dusting a pool cue at a pub when she's you know Ooh, in her sort yeah. of uh, teenage years it's hardly proof is it no, exactly. Yeah, there's yeah. and and what and what happens that's so disgusting um, about like what's mm. what's so irritating is that then all the the ambient sound goes down and you get this oh not this foley fucking and then the foley gets really yeah. loud and everything's slow motion and you're being told extremely heavy-handed this is reminding of her something this is important yeah. it doesn't have the confidence in the audience to just like see stuff that's in the mise en scene yeah. and like respond to it. But in I mean, their it own sounds time like across the board this is what we're identifying in in the uh, mm. this like. Uh, absence of confidence uh to, in the intelligence of your audience i yeah. mean there, there is a moment in the jude film for instance when um uh when when defending her kind of bobita character mm-hmm. angela is like look i just you know i trust that people are intelligent enough to understand mm. what i'm doing yeah uh, and it is a film which throughout sustains itself and uh, nobody left you know no. um mm. and i was seeing it in nft1 packed out uh and it's just this uh, this condescension, and especially these foley maneuvers. Every time are just uh, straightforwardly. Um, but we've had this since like the nineties. I mean, this technique. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess like. But it's becoming ever more, ever more. It used to be the preserve of of, of genre cinema. It used to be like like sexy beast or like uh, mm. almost. Um, or the born films Guy or Ritchie something. Or something. Yeah, you know, yeah, you, yeah you'd, it high print over, overproduced in that sense. But, so but, so but, sure but, but the fact that they're being deployed in these films that are supposed to be quite humane, well, like intimate. Remember, like Emily Atif with these. Emily these Atif did it not so strongly in, in the Emily Atif. No, but, but particularly yeah. with these sex scenes where you could really hear the zip being yeah, pulled down yeah, the dress. Yeah. It was like this really, you know, it was really. Zip. It was this, this really kind of, and uh, I think there was a sense where the the, the foley has become so overdeveloped as a it's where content becomes form because Mm. it's like it's so obsessed it's like it they think these filmmakers think that they're this is their like flourish Mm. but really they're just like taking the script and like like shoving it in your face in the most and there are there are loads of bits of dialogue where people say these things like 
you know, I, I realize grief never stops. It actually, it actually just comes back in different forms mm. or like, like a character will say to another character, why don't you love me enough? Why don't you love me like I love you? Like everything mm. is like, you know, people the, don't really talk like that. It's mm. The BFI, yeah, like they, they lecture everyone about like show don't tell, but the people, the, mm. the, the, their, their flagship film is just full of these very, very clunky signaling, um, yeah. you know, uh, ex, I think it shows a lack of, uh, a lack of comfort and, and, um, with the, the the inherently filmy nature of film, you know, with the tools of your disposal as a filmmaker, and it relies on, it almost assumes like film has to be a series of kind of emotional crescendos. Mm. Um, you know, there has to be these kind of key points. I mean, one of the yeah temples, you know, it's all building towards a point, and then there's a kind of collapse, and then you build to another mm -hmm. point again, and it's this kind of stochastic wave, and that's how British film or a lot of very manipulative art house film is done. Whereas, you know, one of the most interesting films we watched recently was probably The Mother and the Whore oh, by Jean Eustache, which very good. never does that because it's mm. like it's all peak. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it's all kind of, and it's got yeah, like a loose, faces as well. Though, faces, right? it's, got faces. A loose, <laughs> it's got a looseness about it. It's got a kind of tumbling. The the, the mm. film is falling down a flight of stairs. Maybe you want you you, you, know? you want to visualize a, mm. a kind of sine wave of mm. the of the film. You want to see it like all peak, right? Like all peak. Wait, what do you mean by that? Do you mean in terms of quality or in terms of like energy? Because I think a good film doesn't always keep up. The you same you can build, but I think the the British. Film I'm is also like, fine with a film that doesn't build. That just. Mm stays yeah but like how are we using how are we deploying this metaphor I'm a little bit I'm not I, sure. yeah, well, all right so what i'm thinking <laughs> we, we don't know enough about sine waves i think but when it comes to like <laughs> um these these foley techniques you know they have a history and they have been deployed intelligently like come and mm. see for you know klimov brings yeah, yeah, bring, enough, brings this enough, into he used, in, he into uses deafness and the, yeah. the but there is being, sounds, <laughs> there is yeah. being done yeah. to enhance the story of uh of like such uh, kind of gut wrenching severity, which yeah. is, and he's using every other cinematic tool at yeah, his disposal. Yeah. It's he not really being it's not being used as a sort of cheat code to, yeah, yeah, to yeah. bypass totally. intelligently doing everything else, which is what we are. The other thing about. I must yeah. say about Horde is, and I think this relates to my point about, I guess generally my point about identity politics filming. I mean, I don't think this was really an id poll film, but um, mm. I mean, and it was quite interesting hearing Luna come in at the. Uh, the red carpet saying that her main influences were like Deep End and you know a yeah. lot of these sort of 70s folk horror films and she and so so her, for her this these accusations of the film being histrionic and hysterical would probably be praised to her because she she likes the kind of Ennis Men style like you know and sort of 70s nostalgia of like just heightening things for the because but it's, it's not a heightened you know, in the interesting way of like a giallo or something you know where you've got a kind of beauty through excess you know I think mm. maybe the giallo register just doesn't work for British filmmakers mm. I think there's something weird with Brit British people trying to do Jallo style, mm. like because we have a history, we have, we're repressed, whereas the Italians are inherently <laughs> unrepressed. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting if it was so out. easily so easily explained by cultural. It must be. I think different. it's absolutely a, a nativist. Uh, but, <laughs> but it does. Yeah, if it does. Even doubt, reach yeah. for it. <laughs> it yeah, does fall flat. I think, but but um, just to just to just to continue my thread here, the 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 identity, the, the feeling that this was my story. And I've got to tell my story, which mm. is all these shorts that we that we uh, complained about in the previous report, uh, funded by the BFI. Follow this logic of like, hang out with these people. These people like, like this. Their people. The, the, their story is valid to them, and that therefore it will be valid to to you. Mm. And it, it misses the kind of like, the great leap that that like James Baldwin un always understood, which is that like we do have a shared humanity, and therefore no matter how di horribly divided we are by politics, there is some way in which an intimate like experience can be communicated to everyone mm. somehow. Um, 
Uh, and that that is radical. That the, the, the like art in it in itself actually has this radical potential to be like objectively good, even though we will Whereas constantly disagree. British film tends to operate in the register of that meme, which is "damn bitch, you really live like this." Yeah, yeah, yeah. like the, the the the, the, the by <laughs> logic is like is like this is this is my story, mm. and if you don't like like you have to like it because it's my story because mm. it's my trauma, and and, and I'm gonna t- and 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 that's why they end up spelling things out, and that's mm. why also they spend hours and hours in these very, I mean. Horde has loads of sequences that are presumably improvised scenes of schoolgirls kind of gossiping and joking with each other. And I'm rather concerned. Interesting. I'm rather concerned uh, about the upcoming screening of How to Have Sex, which seems to be even more. I, I imagine, I assume just by the title and subject matter, that it mm. will be more scenes, improvised scenes of teenage girls laughing and frolicking and bantering and talking about boys. Um, and yeah, Bechdale it, test failed. Yeah, yeah, yeah true, 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 true. <laughs> um, and it does. That could be interesting. It, it raises a laugh from the audience. Um, uh, you know, after you know, initially, um, and it, it, it rely. And I don't think for fo- I think foreign filmmakers, I think foreign audiences will find it particularly interesting because usually the the kind of register is like very British. I think, I think Brit, Brit where, where that doesn't work is if the rest of the film is in this very uh, mannerist, uh, exaggerated uh, sort of. Um, Which it is, yeah. Register then these scenes of of ordinary life these mm. snippets these ethnographic snippets don't work so well yeah um, we you know a film we'll talk about europe in a minute maybe it's a good segue which mm. kind of combines the ethnographic and the in the dramatic in a really yeah. interesting way in a very in a very uh sort of interwoven way whereas you know these things that's not going to hit for me, you know? no i i think um, that i think horde is is a bit i didn't see scrapper but uh, the press around scrapper was uh which was another british film re- recently charlotte reagan i believe it was director and she was saying that oh everything british films are too drab and social realist you know I, in my film i paint the council estate rainbow colors and you know in order to counteract this tendency which was extremely just don't shoot in a council extremely estate. tedious other locations do exist <laughs> yeah <laughs> extreme um, yeah it was a sort of ex- like extremely facile um mm. uh, antidote to loachism uh, but um, but yeah, th- this felt a bit similar in that it was about a working class family, but it was an attempt to show like working class life as having this kind of like joie de vivre and charm and and color. Um, but it still relied like fundamentally the the master's tools. <laughs> it was still like mm. the tool the, the way you know it was basically like this is my experience, and and I'm not going to attempt to make it like uh, I'm not going to attempt to to tell this story any better than. Um, uh, than I need to because it, it, this is my experience. And, and it, desperate and to humanize exactly. these films, yeah. I think that's the thing that's with the short films we saw as well. There was always a kind of humanizing. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not against humanizing. No, humanizing, fine, but when you it's, know, like, when it's done works, purely right? yeah, yeah. to, it's, it's a fear of ambiguity and ambivalence. True. And it, is, every, uh, everyone works, who's, yeah. who's a goodie needs to be sympathetic and everyone who's a baddie or, you know, even, even the kind of the, the complexity that's built around characters like the mother seem, uh, you know, the sort of a chaotic mother. It is built around like uh, an assumption of your sympathy uh, because of her position in society. Um, yeah, it, it was. It was nothing. Nothing really worked in this film, uh, but it was quite well cast. Um, the vernacular cinematically was this kind of like slightly moving about, kind of over the shoulder vibe Rovy i think it was yeah. shot on film the color was quite quite deep and interesting. interesting production design was pretty good it spent a lot of time in rooms i guess this is because the bfi don't really have much money but um mm. it was like a period annoyingly a period piece about the late 90s early noughts a bit like after sun um 
So again, these these you have millennial filmmakers who are now just making films about their child, and they can't even be bothered to set them in a time different. You know, so everyone mm. everything has to be like Blair. Yeah, the right? production managers on eBay yeah. going, I need to find yeah, ten, Woolworths ten blackberries. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, blackberries <laughs> and Woolworths bags and everything. Yeah, it's it was really um, <coughs> super annoying in that respect. Mm. Uh, and yeah, not, it, okay. it didn't dare to be con contemporary. It didn't dare to step outside of the, the absolute specificity of the story it was trying to tell. And the story it was trying to tell was told in a far too overly direct way, and uh, and that made it kind of an alienating experience. And don't be obvious. Yeah, or, it or was be so like Radu Jude is someone who's obvious in a way because he, she's presenting what the world to us as it is, but in the process fractures and fragments it, makes it very yeah, deep, yeah, defamiliarizes yeah. it. Whereas this is, yeah, I, I don't, I don't like having my hand held for a film. Yes, it's Horde is like that, and 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 it's it's a, it's basically feel a, this. It's a now. sentimental film that kind of um, that, that that is aimed at like this very narrow um, group of uh, programmers and critics to whom this particular 70s nostalgist, 90s nostalgia... Where will it end? Um, uh, kind of, yeah. It's, it's, it's the long 1970s. It's yeah. rooted in like, yeah, an idea mm. of the working class, the noble working class of the, of the Thatcher, the, the post that, the sort of, you know, this era. Um, I think, yeah, I think the childhood bit is set during Thatcher. Uh, and yeah, using this kind of 70s horror, folk horror aesthetic... Can I can I read something to you that I came across in the uh, in the is this horde related? Uh, yeah, yes. So this is this is this is uh, a snipping from the Guardian this um, this weekend. Oh, I know what you're about to read. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. When it comes to the way we dress, we are often cliches. We wear turned up denim, Fred Perry, Universal Works, Converse, and Carhartt. Our, clo our clothes say unobtrusive and timeless. We fear new trends in case they make us look foolish. We worship the comedian Stuart Lee. We loathe Jacob Rees-Mogg. We're leftish centrists. We want no trouble. He has We're a favorite Marla symphony. He sometimes <laughs> goes to Cafe Ota. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're scrupulously careful around the work of women and musicians and actors. You can laugh at us, but as middle-aged men go, we're okay. This, I, I really, this, <laughs> this is what music the, dad, the, yeah. the BFI is, is the BFI is Six Music Dad mm. all over. Yeah. And this is why bad films like Horde keep getting commissions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's a real shame. Um, you know, the old world... Uh, is dying. And, and the old world has just... I mean, Terence Davies... Has just died. Not even cold. So, yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> what, what's the meaning of that? I think it's well, I just mean now. the old world is dying. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Ken I, Loach has retired. Ken Loach, thank God, um, right. thank God has promised to make... That the, the old oak will be his last film, mm. um, and uh, and yeah, Terence Davies, whose films I never liked, has, has died. But that, you know, that's, obviously, that's obviously relevant. It's yeah. sad for his family, but um, uh, yeah, the, the Shout out to his family. British film, British film is uh, yeah, it, it it's it's grasping for some kind of yeah, like some hope, like let's find a woman filmmaker who's like personal and 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 radical, but it 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 just falls so flat every time. Um, I'm bored. I, 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 I'm bored of. Well, should we talk about films that are a bit films? more interesting? Glad I didn't see them. Mm. All right. Well, someone has to. Someone has should to. We talk about Europa. Do the work, and then talk about Steve McQueen because we, yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. we're fresh off the boat. Yeah, yeah. Let's leave England for Europa. Okay, yes. we're going. We're Let's going go to Europe. We're now becoming Remainers, and we're going to uh, the, the the. I guess the violences and the valences of the EU and the EU project and the European project because we are going to Albania. Albania. Um, but what we're doing with this film, so Europa is by Sabde Mortazai, um, sort of an Austrian-Iranian um, filmmaker. Uh, this is a film that um, explores, in some of the ways that Radio Jude does, um, the kind of integration of Europe's fringes and undeveloped fringes with the kind of 
the the middle Europe center of business, capital, finance, Germany. So we get a basically a, our main character, who's again a kind of Nina Hoss, Aldi Nina Hoss. Basically, she's like a young Nina Hoss, kind of ice queen corporate entity mm -hmm. in a kind of Christian Petzold vein, tradition of Nina Hoss playing characters in yellow who are you know business suited sort of lanyard wearers. Yeah, um, and she's on on mission in um, the sort of friendly feminine face of. Hard capital. Yeah, of hard capital, yeah, before the attack dogs get sent in. So she's in Albania on an unspecified kind of commercial enterprise, which is basically a development enterprise. Um, her job is to basically convince... It's uh, not quite clear what development... What it's sufficient, it's intentionally ambiguous yeah. in Anodyne because yeah, these big corporate entities, you know, have really, their project is capital. They don't mm -hmm. have a specific thing. They're mm. just uh, they're mediators and financial service provision. Service, yeah. service provision. A company called Europa, which is also the name of the film. Mm -hmm. I mean, the um, service could be advanced interrogation or it can also be delivery of school meals, you know. It yeah, doesn't really... Yeah, yeah. 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 And in fact, the, you know, it begins with a great bit of whitewashing. Kind of, She's there initially to present a scholarship program in Albanian University. Mm -hmm. Um, so we think it's a kind of... She gives a very girl boss speech all about... Like, completely how, empty and shallow. Completely empty yeah. and shallow, yeah. She, she is this kind of demonic, uh, dead-eyed Hillary. Um, yeah, kind of this is the yeah, most yeah. sort of satirical register the film reaches. Like, very early on, it sort of sets out its stall yeah. as a kind of so, yeah, parody of this woman. But yeah, then it, it's enters, a parody of then it enters drama. Yeah. It enters drama. So her character, it's, 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 I've seen there's quite a lot of films like this and always quite good. You know, She's trying to convince smallholders in the Albanian countryside to sell up so they can build... X, some sort of project in the countryside, which is slowly revealed has is is not just any project. It's it's slightly militarized. You know, there's something. It's a security apparatus. This 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 thing they're doing. There's and a there's, real compulsion. What's beautiful, and like so many films that we talk about mm. recently, there's, there's a lot withheld, and you're how you're 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 kept wrapped by it by knowing that there's something really mm. important that needs to be done on this land, and you're only ever told what the what the current owners of this like, land, yeah, like the, the like the, like the smallholders in a way, you yeah. know, these these Alba these Albanian farmers who practice a particular form of syncretic Islam, um, you are kept in the dark as well about the intentions. So, it's it, it's it's not trying to be passive and, and hold you back. You obviously mm. sympathise with these people, and yeah. you don't sympathise. The more the more that you're exposed to uh, this woman whose character's name I forget, um, this this ice ice queen. You know, the more yeah. you exposed to her, the more kind of the way that, and the film is quite on the nose about pointing out the ways in which she's shallow and these people live a very rich uh, tradition. You know, we get a scene where they're slaughtering a goat and we get this great bit of ethnographic film following the process of the but, slaughtering of a goat and then we'll cut to her doing yoga mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the uh, in the garden of the but house. But also there's in. like a, um, a kind of dialectical like ambivalence to these mm. dynamics and there's one scene where she, where she says uh, to one of these families like you know you're nowhere near a school your daughter wants to be a doctor yep, yep. Um, like why don't why don't we're offering you the chance to, you know we'll mm -hmm. pay you to move out of this place yeah, and this, and this, and this guy's like, well. my doctor will be whatever I want her to be. Right. Like, no, you know, so you're not like, these people aren't like completely... Yeah, it's not a hagiography um, of like a simple Yeah, they're not like life. noble... Yeah, uh, noble savages. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not they have their own, like, there's their, their power dynamics within power dynamics. That, and I yeah, think it's quite know. acute in terms of observing how like particular discourses of... Uh, uh, women's liberation in particular can be actually used to inscribe countries into a sort of kind of neo-colonial setup. Yeah, yeah. That, so like, that's what she's using. For instance, the, the daughter becomes the, the cunning ploy to entice yeah. her father into this dubious contract, which will... Um, uh, which will divest him of his ancestral home and it will all get demolished, right? Um, because... And his uh, business, like his means of living. Is right, and so this, 
this the the scholarship program which we see at the beginning is actually the carrot used mm -hmm. um it's a piece of uh, whitewashing isn't it it's also an instrument it's a surgical it's, instrument so it's, 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 a way quite, to it's quite fun new, how it dramatizes i think the csr dynamics the kind of mm. human face of uh csr of, uh, corporate, corporate social, social responsibility, responsibility. Yeah. um and uh, we never and, and in terms of withholding we never quite under we're never quite um told the means by which she manages to convince him Mm -hmm. Yeah, to, it's, it's to it'll embark into this that it'll contract. never happen. But she wears him down. Yeah, she, he's facing the inevitable. But well, there I is think a point she works on the daughter, doesn't she? Well, she it's something to do with the beekeeping because there's mm. a point where the daughter points out that the thing that the bees gives, can be moved elsewhere. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, gives her father most satisfaction. But there's a so there's a great scene where she admits this. You know, she 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 stumps up, and we get a rare insight into how this character really really thinks. Mm -hmm. um, and she says, you know, because she often talks in platitudes and. Um, reacts in these kind of platitudinous, you know, very artificial ways. And she says to the daughter, and the daughter's like, how will I convince my father? He's a very stubborn man. She says, well, you might have to manipulate him. She's like, oh, I don't want to manipulate him. She's like, well, all dialogue, all conversation is manipulation. Yeah, yeah but even then, I don't, think, I don't think we should even postulate here a kind of real real character, mm. because this character, it's all like, uh, for freedom's effect, it's all like mm. total alienation. I mean, mm. there is, and what I think the strength of this film is that it doesn't, it doesn't suggest that there is any... Um, that there's any uh, anything beneath this woman's um, no she's she's out, out veneer, like we it, get little scenes of her kind of zooming like like zoom calling yeah, her and family actually, with i don't her think kids. we needed it personally yeah. um, i was happy with those scenes but yeah they didn't actually add any important because the, the high to, camp of her kind of mm. evil uh, corporate persona yeah I, I suppose she's accompanied by a rather rather in, uh, ineffective high camp uh, senior man who yeah, play, yeah, his yeah, acting yeah. is like we're incongruously bad compared to everyone it else. had the quality he was this real automaton this like business kind of American big kind of broad American who was like kind of flirting with her in a kind of slightly uh, patronizing way mm. um, and kind of his dialogue was very kind of corporate AI generator it was like you know we have to run this up the flag with sure, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of all these all these maybe maybe it was sort of sending up a bit but um in a kind mm. of burn after reading Coen mm. Brothers because they meet in this really anodyne kind of anywhere bar with a neon sign we looked a lot like the picture house, the picture uh, house we've been through, yeah, spending so a lot of time doing this but I think there was something so what the film does I think um I, I was quite happy with how it shot. You know, it was it was it, it knew when to. I mean, there's there's a lot of visual humor in these kind of wide shots of landscapes because she's some gorgeous uh, scenes just there for their own merit. Like yeah. oh, oh, the kids playing football and uh, yeah, there's some yeah. nice bits, but it's a great the the, the visual that uses the landscape in those wide shots to tell to to satirize the the, the corporate language because she keeps telling these farmers. There's one scene where she's like, you know, she's talking to a translator, tell him you know that his. He, they're living in an unsafe, uninhabitable environment, and then we're seeing these beautiful, magnificent. Yeah, magnificent. Yeah. I also um, love the way that translation, like you really had to read the subs and listen because mm. there were these lovely little slips where the translation would be slightly different right, than what was said. Because everything is being mediated through yeah, a translator. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Who's, who's our agent to get in here. So sometimes she would actually say something a bit softer and he would yeah, translate yeah. it in a slightly harsher this way. Bald, this like big, bulky, bald translation. Was a, he was a bit of a heavy and he mm. was like. A bit like the later on, there's a security guard who's of the same same style, uh, who who like is saying in Albanian to this guy, he's, he's saying like, "Don't make me beat you up. I'm going to have to beat you up if mm. you keep doing this." Like there, there's this way in which the Albanians are talking to each other, and like the way they're carrying out these orders. And the, 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 these different like it's a really well, good they've film been about Uncle Tom did away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of these these kind of more elite ones who have got access to the English language and have mm. got finance. They're actually you know in a position of power over these villages because they're not from there. Really. Yeah. You know when 
the translator goes to the local church. The priest says to him, oh, "You know, I, I never see you here." Mm-hmm. You know, he's kind of calling him out for like you know being separate from his his, right, his, right, his right. bedrock in the community that sustained him. And he's kind of wielding his power now in his kind of fancy Carhartt gilet or whatever it is. You know, <laughs> kind of you know he's kind of he like he's kind of heavy handing the the locals and the farmers. He obviously disdains a bit because mm. he's like, "This is a good deal. You're going to get money." Yeah. And their stubbornness is completely understandable. They live in this pastoral idyll. Uh, yeah, life is hard, but, you know, they live close to the land and have, you know, obviously a deep well of faith, uh, which only makes her kind of lack of faith and her, her vape and her refusal to eat the local vacuity, food. Yeah. yeah, completely vacuous. I know I'm vaping, but there's, some, there's something about <laughs> She refuses the, the cigarette, you know, to have a cigarette with people. And she's just, no, 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 I've got my own. And they constantly invite her. Like, they have this hosting thing. They, I mean, mm. at one point, I wondered whether they were going to poison her because they keep offering her, <laughs> like, raki and then all these meals. But and that's like, it. There, there is actually, you know, she's being extended such hospitality. Yeah. 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 The entire And she's this kind and of, she, like... And she feels bad. She not, it's not that she... I, I mean, she has a... She doesn't really have a, have a moment of feeling guilt. Mm. But, like, part yeah. of... I mean, part of her ambivalence to being fed all this food is like that she's vegan or whatever. But like part of it is that like mm. she knows she's there to take from them. So like mm. the idea that she's then like accepting, accepting yeah. gifts. I mean, even at the end, the, the people who sort of the B&B people who've hosted her in the village give her all these gifts and all she, jam and it's just a total pain in the ass having to receive all this stuff that she's obviously going to throw in the bin or give to dogs, you know? So it's, yeah. yeah. It, we it, see her feeding the, the meat dinner yeah, to dogs, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the sheep's head that they've specially cooked as a sign of respect to her. God, my mouth is yeah. watering that moment. I think I what it, uh, I think this film managed to very successfully kind of, uh, sustain a particular like levity. Uh, mm. but the comedy wasn't like, it wasn't anxious. Mm. It was a, and there was a, there was a real like kind of calm to it. Even the pacing, the rhythm of her just visiting one thing after the other. Mm. And we know, we know there is going to be great, one great punctual moment mm. of violence, but also it withheld the yeah. satisfaction somehow. Well, it gave it to us at the beginning because the film opens. It's, it's basically, an it's a Mobius yeah, strip, yeah. this film, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. So we start off this guy on the front, on the windshield of a car banging yeah, yeah. through the glass and he's, they're trying to, there's and it's driving, filmed, it's filmed on the phone. I think it, yeah. it looks mm, yeah, like exactly. it's a, a kind of, so it, the film, I don't want to give too much away, but basically there's a, there's a sort of, yeah, there's a very arresting opening shot, mm. which then like, the film tells us how we got there. Yeah. Like, yeah. and then, and then like, we just go straight into, and I really like that as a device. I really like that as a device. I think it was really clever. Beautiful. And it just meant it opened with a real bravura. I was yeah, like, yeah, immediately yeah. I was the like, snapshot. I yeah. think this is going to be good. And yeah. this, and this levity um, to me, like, for to telling the story of corporate malfeasance instead mm. of going kind of um, either zany mode with a ban after reading style mm. or doing uh, the severity of something like Ziva Gintsev's uh, Leviathan, Leviathan which is true. also a story of a kind of like, yeah, a, yeah, a, guy, guy, or a kind out. of Aaron Brockovich contest yeah. I mean I, li- I like that film but yeah yeah it's um, it didn't have any gags in it. Did it? No, it's, no, it's <laughs> very there humorous. are some very dry. I mean, we have to remember we're not Russian. Russians oh, have a, yeah, does have a great Russians gag in the have court a, scene where yeah. the, 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 the prosecutor is talking so, so fast. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. True, 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 also, there's, like a, there's a funny bit with a picture of Putin. I don't know. Mm. I think like Russia, like Zvangensa films do have the jokes. Beats, the beats come but, like, in different When you're British, areas, you don't yeah. always get them because yeah. they're yeah. so dark. But this was quite universal in its humor because again, the kind of common language is English anyway. So there's a lot of like falling back into English language. And I think one of the great things as well is is about the this kind of corporate this non-place corporate mannequin of this woman mm-hmm. is incredible because there's a certain kind of sugary insincerity to her reactions you know when the girl buys her a coffee and mm-hmm. she has like soy milk she, soy milk and she's like that's so pleasant that you have remembered that i drink soy milk <laughs> amazing very, and it's completely empty i've met so many people year. like her mm. she, she really the she's performance is so good and it really nails she's the, international school it really you know? yeah, it really nails this like 
like citizen of like citizen nowhere almost totally mm. yeah. uh, like this really alienated she's kind of McKinsey yeah this alienated like drone isn't she friend, global like, functionary yeah like mm. friendly functionary who like Matt who like whose sole purpose is to like get certain things from certain people mm. and she moves through the world with this totally like normal friendliness that and and the film the film gives you this beautiful intimacy of seeing her in lots of different contexts, and that's why I think actually it's quite important seeing her in this Zoom call with her family, even though those bits are quite un- underpowered. The fact of their underpoweredness, I think, does bolster like some of the other moments there. Well, like, it gets us you know, to she's see... a normal, ordinary person. It's the banality of evil. She's right, a normal, you can person. imagine a well-thumbed copy of the Forty-Eight Rules of Power, you know, mm. like on uh, somewhere on her bookshelf, yeah, like yeah. at home. Yeah, we've house. we've we, yeah we've got this kind of yeah no. It's, I mean, as this kind of banality, we see her able to, and it's maybe something that will get picked up by Glazer mm. as well when we watch Zone of Interest. But Hopefully. you know the kind of ordinary family life that persists um, at the at the at the, at the core of this person's mm-hmm. life, whereas the edges uh, where they do real damaging dark work and they don't let it affect them. They're able and the to damaging cut dark work emotionally. The damaging dark work we like the really dark thing mm-hmm. we only see a short one scene. Mm. Mm. And then even of, then it's uh, played for laughs in a quite a quite yeah, yeah. quite mm. interesting manner. Are we, we talking about say, the, 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 the young kind of urban explorers? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so we won't say, I don't really want to give away no, too much because this, right. this review is really an endorsement, a really like a gesture to say, you probably weren't thinking of seeing this film and you should. you really should, yeah. And yeah. there is, but yeah, if you have seen it, there's just this amazing, uh, uh, almost reminded me of reality, the, this, mm. this um the reality when a biopic Tina Sata yeah. that we reviewed in Berlin like it has this real clinical um, carrying out orders sort of like mm. and it's a, it's really a huge orders. a yeah. huge reveal it really like snaps mm. you in I mean it's a very gripping film throughout but it really like it, you, you have these sort of slowly slowly scenes of like her negotiating and trying to be friendly and, the and gentle these kind of awkward things yeah and then you're suddenly like in the gloves the, are off. The gloves are off, and you're in, mm. and it's completely different characters you're dealing with. And it's with. shot differently as well. It's, it's shot yeah, it's yeah. kind of a Zero Doc 30, Catherine Bigelow style. It yeah, suddenly yeah. flips. It's but you suddenly, suddenly see, you suddenly learn mm. a lot more than you did know you had you knew before, but not the full, you yeah. Know, yeah. learn everything about what it is she's doing. You know, it's kind of weird. So when, when, I, when we were talking about like early Christian Petzold as well, and I think, mm. you know, I was talking about this kind of Maastricht minimalism of it. Mm. And it's something yeah, that yeah. the kind of pe- Christian Petzold is doing. He's actually looking at the kind of... Maastricht morality. as in the Maastricht Treaty. Maastricht Treaty, yes. Brussels, yeah. Brussels, Breton. Brussels, Breton. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so he's, true. And then, but he, there he's looking at the kind of interior, the, the damage that is done in the heartland of middle mm. Europe itself, right? But here we're looking at the, the edges, you know, and there's a lot of dialogue about, you know, uh, the the, frin- the the fringes of you know empire, um, where you know the real the real bloody work is done, right? Yeah. Um, and it's kind of interesting that we see it in this kind of European context. It's about story of integration, but it's it's like the other side of the coin of a Christian yeah. Petzold film. I think it would make a great double bill. Like well, Yella it is like Griesebeck, which, which, which yeah. who explores this in her mm-hmm. film um, uh, Western, which Western, is, is, yeah. is about sort of a kind of neo-colonial encampment of Germans in Bulgaria, which mm. is actually based on. Kind and of I feel this film, this kind of filmmaking, is is interesting because it's like particularly at a time when I'm and you know bored to tears with Ramonas, who are so. Mm. Uh, in indifferently kind of europhilic. Uh, seal, europhilic and seal clapping about the European mm. project as the idea idea of the European project, but the reality of it is quite yeah. blood and guts. And yeah. Yeah. that's in a way Absolutely. why it's a good yeah, yeah. gesture almost that the the film is called Europa. It's called Europa because the company, the sort mm. of G4S Circo style mm. outsourced uh, security firm right. that she works for is called Europa. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it actually and it's a story of Europe, very yeah. coherent. and yeah. it is a story yeah. of Europe. It's a story yeah. of two Europe. Yeah. And I wondered whether I was wondering, you know, is it in dialogue at all with Last Ventures Europe? Maybe not. I mean, I was searching for some sorts of 
uh, I don't know, I don't know if it parallels, is, but um, I think it's just, I think it's in dialogue more with the filmmakers we mentioned. You know, this yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. I think you know people like Pat Sold or like and Jude in a way, although the, the filmmaker was, wouldn't have seen the because these Maybe two films came out at the same time. But yeah, sort of Hanukkah to extent, but improves yeah. upon Hanukkah in, in my opinion. Yeah. But then um, I'm always very, very critical of Hanukkah, and it's a good story as well. Great story. Um, I'm going to need to change the battery of mm. the camera, okay, and then we have one more film to review. Maybe the review that you've been waiting for this whole episode, Occupied City by Steve mm, McQueen. Occupied City, yeah. Steve McQueen's new film, Occupied City, is also at the festival. We saw it. It is four hours and 25 minutes, I believe. Um, it takes the form of an essay film. So I suppose Steve McQueen has two different modes currently uh, in his filmmaking practice. One of them is a fairly conventionally made prestige film uh, usually about a political historical issue. Um, and then the other mode is a structural film for a gallery or seeming like it should be for a gallery art piece uh, about a political historical issue. Um, this takes on the latter form. It is based on Steve McQueen's wife, Bianca Steiger's book, uh, which is uh, passages of it, uh, I assume, are read out. Um, yeah, verbatim, I understand. Michael? It's called an atlas. Atlas, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Stephen Queen lives in Amsterdam. I think his wife is Dutch. Uh, the book and the film is uh, various scenes of Amsterdam uh, during the, the long period of COVID lockdowns. Uh, and afterwards as well. And a bit Sorry, afterwards, but sir. it depends when, yeah, it's sort of... So is he still, so you, you lopped off his knighthood, yeah. Really, he's got it down. Sorry, Amsterdam. Sorry, I, did, I thought I, I assumed. Deference. I assumed he was. <laughs> Show some respect. I to assumed his, his anti-colonial uh, politics would extend to refusing, but never mind. Yeah. Um, um, yes, so he he uh, he's made basically. It almost resembles like Patrick Healy's London in its form of mostly, but not entirely. But it takes, uh, no still satir- it takes no satirical approach to its no. subject matter. It's a very reverential... It's a very reverential, solemn film. series of descriptions of locations in Amsterdam where uh, World War II and the Holocaust took place mm. uh, and anecdotes and descriptions of what places were used for and what happened in those places while you're looking at what those places are doing now or, you know, two mm. or three years ago um, when the film was shot. Uh, it was directed and co-produced by Steve McQueen, but the cinematography was handled by someone else, Lennart Hellig, I believe is the name, and various camera assistants. Uh, It was edited by someone else, co-edited by Steve McQueen. It was obviously written by his wife. Uh, So it's kind of a a kind of a team project to an extent, but... uh, It's an installation project because the the full film... So the full film exists. It's 36 hours long, and I can well imagine that maybe in the Rijksmuseum in in Amsterdam or something, mm-hmm. it will screen probably in its full yeah. uh, full length and full duration somewhere in the gallery somewhere it might end up going on tour potentially. I can imagine that being the case. So it, there is, a, as it were, an installationary quality to it. So yeah, it's it, like you were saying, George, you know, it does borrow a lot more from the realm of video art, like it's artist video or... Yeah, right, but he also go, he can also go more hardcore than this. I mean, he, he, had, can, he, had, yeah. he had a piece uh, which uh, in Berlin last year called End Credits, which is a 12-hour uh, loop of all of the declassified files from Paul Robeson's uh, FBI Files, yes, yeah, yeah which are uh, sort of just made to be one continuous kind of cri- like like he's, credits he's got at the end of the film. He's got an archival approach to things. It's the observation. Uh, I think this. Takes I mean, this an one wasn't particularly cinematically. The one I'm yeah. describing, but um, 
Yeah, I mean, we kind of carry, we, as we're watching this, we, we carry within ourselves, yeah, the, the, you can imagine the 36-hour cut, mm. really, because it's... More of the same. The, 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 yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I mean, I wrote down the formula as I was, I was, I was watching for the shots, which is uh, find, find the location uh, in which, from Bianca's book, um, some horrible instance of uh, deportation or dispossession would have happened during the occupation. Mm. Uh, now, detect within this location some sort of visual irony mm. or... Um, uh, or a moment of sublimity sometimes. Or, or a yeah. moment of levity or gaiety or mm. life, something that shows the kind of uh, living nature yep. of the city, a city which is not under and, occupation. But also a city sometimes which is, it's banality. Like these well, are sometimes fringe I mean, spaces in, and edge lines. The portrayal and, of yeah. Amsterdam by and large is of a space of just like uh, a kind of consummate like um, adult playground, really. Like mm. people are skiing indoors. Mm. <laughs> you know, mm. like, uh, a lot of these moments are moments from lockdown, which... Um, people will remember did have these strange moments of unusualness when mm. people were allowed to be together uh you know there would be like in soho people were allowed to like eat in the road fresco, yeah. there were these and then yeah the <laughs> in dutch is eat ut to yeah so there are various mo various moments of like post lockdown like release um there is a weird like there are moments where the authoritarian nature of gestapo and the nazi uh, party behavior is set against like enforcing or protest against lockdown mm. in, in well, Amsterdam. This is because the recipe, the structure of the, what I'm describing is, you know, the visual ironies are there and then over the top, the voiceover will, will, will tell you the nature of what happened. Mm. Right. So this is like a machine that's sort of set in motion. Yeah. And once mm. it's up, once it's up and running, yeah. it has to run through all of these locations. And then it's sort of like incidentally in a way that for instance, incidentally a CCTV capture can capture something. It, it kind of produces these moments that are so tonally off. Mm. Yeah. Um, but it can't juxtapositions yeah the, I don't think <laughs> their intention juxtapositions always and I think there's moments that kind of happens just some, teenage, some teenagers like mm. having a really nice time listening to some trap and then you're, you're hearing a, a joint and, and you're hearing was... about like someone dying in Auschwitz and I think his mm. argument is that like I think there's a slightly this kind of uh, progressive liberal argument which is that life goes on and all its diversity and colour and people are I, like, yeah. well it's I was kind of broigly relationship to it you know of, of these, mm. these vast scenes of canvases of yes yeah, it's, it's almost like there's too much stuff you know you've got people seeing and there's somebody uh hula hooping you know that video that was shot in berlin where someone's like oh my berlin god amazing a yeah, city yeah, yeah, when yeah. it's like a guy playing a trumpet outside the academy the frame of it. outside the yeah. academy to cunts yeah, and yeah every, every nonsense yeah. every every kind of silly nonsense yeah, thing is yeah. happening but i think so with the film itself it uh it was not what i expected so i think because the obvious uh visual corollary you reach for maybe is someone like james benning you know mm -hmm. the the Ur kind of is still very active landscape structural film it's not that at all no it's not i was expecting a static camera Me too, yeah. on these places and then within about it starts off with a static shot of a corridor it establishes and some rules seconds, and then breaks it yeah. yeah a few seconds then we've got this pan and it follows us women around i'm like maybe suddenly this is a lot less interesting and what i found with the shot selection some of it, it was very uneven. I think that reflects probably the duration of the project and maybe different camera assistants working on it and maybe availability mm. of where they were allowed to shoot. But some of the shots were deep, they were like a kind of BBC news report, um, you know, B-roll for a BBC news report of people on the street. Other times they would, be, they would show real inventiveness. You know, there's a great scene of shooting up the mast of a... Um, wind turbine in the mist you've yep. got real moments of real kind of strangeness and beauty and then some of them will just feel i mean there are some moments that are so spectacular there are some mm. sequences in this that are like some of the most spectacular things i've seen from a british 
filmmaker. Yeah, or, or, I know which you're in. relating to. So, for instance, I, I think we'd all agree that there's this sledding sequence, which is, mm. I, I think you're referring to it, a Bruegel reference, yeah. which is, like, you know, it's it's Tarkovsky. And I mean, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's gorgeous. It's watching gorgeous. his kids pulling themselves mm. up. And, and there, down, he actually down. has the sensitivity to do mm. what, unfortunately, um, maybe the structure of the film doesn't allow or mm. the, the the conceit of the film won't allow, mm -hmm. which is the to the voice recedes, you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and here again, we have the point about uh, crediting your audience um, with the intelligence to kind of reflect. You yeah. know? It's not like we're suddenly going to forget. Yeah. You know, we've mm. been hearing about, yeah. we understand, what we're, but we can also kind of, yeah. this can be allowed to rest and dwell and we can, we can savor mm. this truly exquisite piece of mm. cinematography really with this kind of like uh, um, golden hour and great depth of field. I mean, it's amazing. Mm. But my problem is uh, that McQueen, McQueen doesn't seem particularly bothered about the things that make this film good. And and mm. I think, and this is at the point, at the point at which they I feel like he's, I think he's hired yeah. good cinematographers or well, a good cinematographer and, and camera uh, assistants um, who are being creative in various ways. And then but they're He's not driving of, the pro. But, they're not in the driving seat. No, yeah. no but in, but and so that in that mm. sense, you have moments like that that are very profound, set against moments which are trying to be very profound and aren't. You know, and 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 then you have these moments that feel. I mean, the the one thing that did occur to me during it was actually, um, you know, those TikToks where you have someone explaining an idea, and then in one corner of the frame you have like someone like someone like yeah, someone yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. video game, someone uh -huh. jumping over things like well, Mario. There's like, a scene being perfectly yeah, cut scene. into little circles. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. There's actually a scene where someone is like um, uh, 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 making uh, using. Paint God, it's been a long day. Uh, paint, <laughs> painting the road with white paint, painting mm. a road sign in the road. Oh, it's like a satisfaction uh, and yeah, ASMR a sort of satisfaction thing, yeah. ASMR vibe while yeah. the voiceover. This very beautiful Melanie Hyams. She, she's just on Mandy. She's just yeah, a, yeah, a woman yeah. who speaks Dutch and English very well. Um, <laughs> this woman like reads out this uh, this horrific story about um, it was quite you know, quite. I, I, Frank I, I think it was useful, interesting, you know, because sometimes with projects like this, you either get a sort of celebrity voiceover, you know, you get Tilda mm -hmm. Swinton and stuff, yeah, yeah. voiceovers. Or you get someone with a kind of authoritative English, you know, senior voice. But going for a young woman was no, quite pointed, I, did, I, I totally disagree. I actually made, I was thinking about this. Is that I didn't mind it. At first post, it irritated post me. Post marker, but, right? Yeah. So post mm -hmm. Chris marker, uh, especially in the art world, you know, especially if you think about something like uh, forensic architecture's work or something yeah. like this, the the uh, bland, affectless female uh, English voice mm. is now the equivalent of the plummy uh, voice that you would oh, have on normal. that you would have yeah. on a newsreel yeah, yeah. from the 1930s being like our oh, boys today have gone over the truth mm. it is mm. the it, it's made to represent the voice supposed to know the kind of voice of authority the voice that we implicitly yeah. trust but it was an intentionally so, youthful voice as well it was more youthful I don't I than really thought there was context. it was completely shorn of any any distinctive traits whatsoever and mm. I found that already uh, a little bit sus because mm. um the status of the voiceover in this in this film is a problem because I don't think it was sufficiently interrogated by him. What will happen over the duration of this film is that inevitably you will start to tune out of mm. what you're being told. Mm -hmm. And yep. you will start to and yet you will be within this, as you are within many video essays, this kind of push and pull between the image and the and the sound. Yeah. Especially mm. when they're two discrete parallel tracks yep. like this. But when they become so uh so divergent, mm. uh then of necessity, 
you're going to tune out. And at that moment, there will be some sort of guilt reflex. Perhaps that's what's trying to be thematized, but it becomes like Definitely. a becomes mm. like a radio. Well, that's how it's received in re in positive reviews. Right. Mm. So it, it makes you, it makes us question. Like, our attentiveness and our, you yeah. know, our relationship but actually to what it seemed told. to me is a sort of like um, you know uh, history is a nightmare from what I'm trying to mm. wake up this kind of encyclopedic uh, understand, uh, approach to making work about the show where you feel that the mm. only way to approach mm. Uh, the enormity of the subject is to is to make something so, uh, likewise so gargantuan, so encyclopedic, so mm -hmm. indexical, so categorical that you can exhaust it. But of course, you can't. I mean, that no, to me that, is a, that that is actually a pretty superficial way to approach mm. it. I mean, some you know, Paul Paul Salan and like fifteen mm. lines of Todesfuge mm. probably manages to uh, make a more uh, more kind of deeply felt and responsive thing mm. than this like these gargantuan exhaustive things like Lansman's show or, or, I think, or I something think his, like this his, I mean his project ultimately is is one of dis he is exploring a kind of dissonance but maybe not in the most interesting way he could have done it wasn't mm. taken to his extreme um, and I feel like yeah there were points where this juxtaposition or not juxtaposition but there was a clash between image and what you're being told yeah. there were certain points where it was quite difficult to discern her voiceover because of the background sound in the mix mm -hmm. um there are other times where oh, I was very, yeah i noticed a few times where there was so much clatter noise and kind of hubbub i generally thought she was actually too high in the mix but yeah she was at times like oh. it was very loud when the scene was I mean, quiet but when the scene was louder the, I there was level really i wanted hard, so. her voice in the mix was sort of slightly lower sort of zero yeah, yeah. Off. <laughs> <laughs> i mean a more powerful film would have been just static shots of these well, well, that film was that can come mm. back into a conversation here because he mm. made a film called american dreams mm. you seen this one with the baseball cards is it and, i've not and, seen american so, dreams you know it, it is again a parallel tracks essay film. It's shorter and you know much smaller budget, but it's a bunch of a. Uh, it's his pretty enormous sticker collection of uh, baseball cards from the fifties. But meanwhile, in parallel, he's telling a story about um, uh, the racial injustice suffered by baseball players since it's mm. their kind of inception mm. as a sport. Um, but there, it's directly thematized that this is sort of like a radio droning mm. on. Mm. That you can kind of tune in and out of. Yeah, because of course the, the parallel we can think about is is Alan's work, yeah, which, is a, which is a discursive political film about um, sort of uh, racial segregation in America mm -hmm. um, and, and liberation in the sort of early part of the 20th century. Um, and this film is pursuing a similar project where we're being invited to look at a space now while being told about how it was lived and the lived reality of that space in the past. But the um, nature of Allensworth, and I did have like, and my mm. qualm with Alan, I, li I liked Allensworth. My qualm mm. with it was it w w with it was that it did it like had this political dimension, like uh, it, like it rose above the surface of, of the they structural weren't film always form. Flush, were they? Yeah, yeah. And um, no, I liked the fact that things like drifted out, but like there was this sen this sense of telling you to juxtapose things. But like this, mm. like commits that crime like uh, much more severely. This film. Um, by McQueen and, and I think that's I mean it's symptomatic of like McQueen's general tendency which I'll, I'll talk mm. about in a bit but like I think Allensworth has like the, the content of Allensworth tendencies yeah the, <laughs> the, 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 the content of Alan Allensworth and we reviewed it on the pod you can mm. it, and it's showing at this at London Film Festival um, you know the, the nature of it is that you can just like your overriding experience is still of duration mm. it's still of like these places, like viewing these places and experiencing these places, and therefore having some kind of transcendent experience, for, like and it allows with sufficient what space for thoughts to exactly. occur. Exactly, mm. and so this film never here, does. There is such clutter, mm. both auditory and visual, mm. um, that with with you know it's you're sort of suffused, you're clamoured upon, mm. uh, and then it's interesting because the film also incorporates. Well, I was thinking about the step and stop on which of these. Um, mm -hmm. 
these uh, kind of brass um, plaques. plaques, which was it was initially the project of uh, just one guy, this kind of Stakhanovite life work in which he um, tracked down using publicly available information houses where people had... Uh, where deported from Jews who, yeah, yeah. Uh, who lived there have been deported and, and uh, these plaques are put just like a centimeter above the ground so that you kind of trip over them that's the idea mm. right um, and there's a scene where we see what some of these being installed uh, nightmare for the local council so. uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know I feel like that that already um, was a sort of admission of its own failure mm. so if it hadn't had the voiceover it would have basically been like a a, a Piavili style. It would have mm. been an extraordinary a, yeah. symphonic uh, a city symphony, a city symphony to yeah. a yeah. city go undergoing an experience of quite dramatic um, reawakening from like a, an artificial slumber during lockdown. Mm. But it would have it would have a been like too and long. It who knows? Been, maybe it was that film to begin with. You know, it might have been. Yeah. No, but it was based um, on this this his wife's book. It the, it must the locations. Have, I it must have yeah. started with. Um, but the I idea. think he was obviously dist sufficiently distracted with this narrative of uh, lockdown because it begins to tell a story about COVID and the COVID response yeah. um, and the experience of living under COVID in a way that is oftentimes, I think, disarms the narrative that he's really telling, mm. which is this Holocaust narrative. Yeah. So it kind of it seems at times like McQueen becomes a little bit more interested in telling the story about the kind of political ramifications and the, the lived. But it doesn't drift. It doesn't quite drift into like kind of anti-lockdown comparison mm. which it could it could easily do right no you know mm. it, it could provide ballast if somebody wants to do a yeah, supercar yeah, yeah. like that I but think I mean every shot seems to tell us that like these people are oblivious to the dark past mm. in the location is it, condemning, that in. is it condemning the subject or is it celebrating their freedom well that's why it started to make me think of this mm. I know you saw Sergei Loznitz's um, yeah. Austerlitz right Austerlitz, so this yeah, is yeah. like the film that he made about Auschwitz tourism uh, and there there isn't this kind of uh, didactic over determining um, voiceover mm. but the the visual ironies are what what kind of sub provides the sucker the, of the content. Was it Yolocaust as well? The other art projects. Yolocaust. Like you only live so once. There's, there's, oh yeah, yeah every, every, everybody at a Holocaust memorial site in Berlin. So he superimposed um, images of people yeah. on the um, on on the site against Holocaust. I mean, in a way, it's a cheap archive. gag. But what I felt Holocaust. that Loznitsa was yeah. doing effectively was uh, by the end of this film, he was saying like okay, but what is the proper way that somebody should conduct themselves mm. in a site of, uh, you know, mass murder? I think this like, film isn't should, asking that, though. No, this film isn't asking this. Mm. Uh, but it is, I think, you know, it's... I think this film is saying the way you properly memorialize it is to write a book and to make a film about the Holocaust. And to list the names. It, it has this, it, it, it very much yeah, rarefies, yeah. like, or like, um, approves of the, the most solemn and exhaustive indexical, as you say, mm. yeah, 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 modes yeah. of commemoration. And and this is and, and this may be a good moment for my Steve McQueen rant. Um, because can, I can, we, can we talk about before? the sequence where we all yes. absolutely oh, love yeah, before, before we indemnify it? Like the one the one which is just like a visionary ten minutes and if that had been the film we'd be like Whoof. So yeah, there's yeah, a section yeah. where Incredibly we, well edited. we are on a, a vehicle and there's a camera on a on a kind of gimbal rig that basically swoops and swerves in a way that's very familiar, maybe on it's a like tram a, as well, maybe because it's moving quite fast. It's yeah. moving quite fast. No, it's not on tram tracks, it's on a road. But um yeah. so car, this maybe. scene is it kind of invokes uh precedents like Michael Snow's Region Centrale with this kind of robotic oscillating robotic swooping arm the music that's played over top is Michael Levy it's, no it's Baroque Main which is made um, it sounded like Baroque it's a Baroque, Baroque. allegations um, uh, <laughs> it sounded kind of Michael it's Levy made, no but it is it's, it's Michael Levy and Oliver Coates together Coates, it's a track both. that they've released together yeah. uh, called Baroque Brackets Main but the reason I bring it up is because Oliver Coates apart from all the incidental bits of trap playing off people's phone mm. uh, in the film um, 
it is uh, it's scored in a, in a much less interesting pretty way. Con- pretty convinced uh, mm. by Oliver Coates, who did music for After Sun, and who's also an independent uh, in yeah. musician. Well, I, th- I felt that the music there was it was completely a key with this. It had this kind of dissonant straining at the edge of notes yeah. and keys, and it really let itself mm. wig out. Um, mm. And it kind of seemed to me to then be in discourse with you know. Dutch filmmaking has this documentary-wise and City Symphony-wise. Mm. Joris Evans made this beautiful film called mm. Reagan, and it was yep. also it's an early, like late twenties experimental Dutch film, and it seemed to be uh, channeling the spirit of that. But it was, it was uh, this huge... kind of haunted, empty city. Also, was perfectly mm. dramatized. Whereas uh, towards the end, it started to really indulge like fairly conventional um, social documentary photography style. Mm. Uh, portrayals of the the boarded up city with mm. the graffiti I mean, we've seen all of this i mean i mean yeah. the city symphony is such an established part of film film tradition in a way and it's kind of a lost art in some capacities so you know berlin was the first great it's been city given symphony. over to kind of heritage i did love the color and the fact that it was in 4-3 mm. mm. yeah it was not as a strong had a strong start yeah. on that regard and yeah. there was like this yeah i assume it was shot on like fairly portable digital cameras i'm not sure mm. but it was just very like it was it was like nice to see i i, I had initially assumed that it was just shot by him like on a tripod going around I assumed that and I was a bit disappointed to learn that there was this whole crew behind it so that Mm. um, I suppose that the the, the vastness of the project known as a 36 hour and there are there are moments there are moments where he's filming in places where he'd obviously have to get permission I quite like the idea that he says to people like like his producer would say like oh what Steve McQueen who won an Oscar like mm. isn't, do you want to be in his film can we, yeah. can we film this you know it's kind of like a, a, there's, kind a, of there's an interesting key. scene so there's a question about staging so obviously crowd scenes and there's some elements that have a kind of newsreel footage like when we see a kind of de- uh, COVID demonstration yeah. kind of pop off and the police response reminded me of Germany in Autumn you know the mm. funeral of um, True, yeah. Hans Martin Schleyer yeah, uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah. Um, not Schleyer the, 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 the funeral of the terrorists <laughs> oh, of uh, the, the yeah. RAF minor of Gang. So we're just saying words now. Um, but there's a there's a scene where we see the... Uh, there's actually... Okay, two things before you go on your proper rant. There's two things I want to mention I find very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is um, the scene where we see, presumably, the, the uh, Netherlands um, Prime Minister announce lockdown in a way. That, you know, oh, yes. Yeah. So that scene feels very opposite. It's shot in a kind of looks like a kebab joint or something. So is that... I, I presume did, did McQueen's producers know that an announcement was made at a particular time, chose a location, definitely assumed, or did, was that was that restaged later? Oh God! Um, I wonder the, the the push and pull between the kind of staged and the yeah, kind of live. Yeah, I mean it's funded. Well. It's obviously well funded. There's lots of mm. logos at the start. I mean it it was obviously a it was obviously a grander project than it probably would have needed to be if you were an indie filmmaker. Mm. Like this feels like a film you could probably make without any permission, without any producers. Mm. You literally could if you just you have a just camera and a tripod, you could yeah. do it. And People that's often a, won't it, challenge you. Yeah, it's annoying when it's annoying when like someone with lots of money makes something that um Imagine some, a release for that someone with no money could make but doesn't do it in an interesting way and doesn't like flex. But yeah. anyway. The other thing I'll we'll we'll, talk about quickly is the I, I I broke into such a, a wide smile every time I saw the big lumbering fatso of the uh, Dutch king arrive. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he's, he's such a large kind of uh, sort of inbred looking man. Lumpen aristocracy, aristocracy we deserve sort of. The, a, yeah, the other yeah. source of un- unintended mirth destroyed. Was, was, the, destroyed. was this this <laughs> refrain destroyed? Um, it was necessary. Which became increasingly uh, frequent towards it was demolished. the end. demolished. Demolished. And yeah. I I have a I my my take on this is that. Um, can I just explain to listeners yes, what yeah, it yeah. is? Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Um, so every loca- so there's 130 locations announced, and obviously some of those locations since the 1940s no longer exist. And so when that is the case, most of them, I would um, say, in this case, yeah. uh, it happened a lot. Mm. Um, 
the voiceover uh, announces at the end of the anecdote or the mm. section of voiceover, she says, destroyed or partially destroyed sometimes. Demolished, partially demolished. Uh, sorry, yeah. demolished. Yeah. Yeah, D- yeah. Demolished, partly demolished. Um, and it, it, again, it was another <laughs> way in which the film just didn't have a, a sense of humor because it was, it, it was dealing with such a solemn subject. It didn't mm. think to understand itself as having no, this like weird and it's a la- kind of it's a la- again once again it's an underestimation of mm. the of the viewer's intelligence yeah. because it, and, and it's also a protestation against the like task that the film has set itself because mm. every time it's showing you this mm-hmm. thing we know we're not looking, we're looking at, at H&M. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're looking at a fucking shopping center yeah. in 2004. We know we're not looking yeah. at the you know, uh, reclamation center. And it's kind center of obvious where when we're, we're in a flat and the flat has features that make it, you know, align. So what's it doing? So, well, is because what, it's, what a film is trying to do is run, run the past through the present along mm. these kind of even mm. grooves. Um, and there are, you know, there are times when it's able to smoothly do this. I mean, there mm. is one very affecting sequence, I think, when it all comes down a bit visually mm-hmm. uh, and, and we concentrate on some shadows on the side of a wall mm. and we're told about, you remember this part when we're told about how uh, somebody's neighbor informed on them right, from uh, the second floor. Yeah. And this was a moment where I really felt, okay, now, now it's found, it's it, it somehow managed to entangle the two parts of this film. Mm. And, and then it just loosely went off again. Yeah, and we found had this a moment wedding. of congruence between the... Was right, right. Then we immediately succeeded by the lesbian wedding, which was just mm. so tonally off. <laughs> yeah. And then you realize that actually the moments where the film succeeds are like a happy fluke. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, so lo- it's so long that there yeah. is like room enough for flukes. It's right. like, it, exactly. it, it, it extends. Yeah, I think this is, yeah. So the, the actually what's more interesting are these moments of congruence rather than dissonance. It's quite easy to achieve ironic dif- distance and kind of dissonance in this film mm-hmm. to yeah. capture moments of real congruence between the moment being told and the space as it's unfolding now, mm. those are more interesting to me, like you said with the shadows, I think. And there are a few instances of that, you know, when we see these these mist-wrapped um, banks of the river where, um, you know, with a lone man walking his dog through them, when we're told about this is where people were bought and executed. There's a kind of, like, congruence between the experience I mean, it's fine that he's to reaching across. Light. And what I yeah. wanted, what I wanted yeah. was a sense of actually a character, a bit like what... Patrick Keeler achieved mm. so well in London, like a sense of a character emerging, which did mm. sometimes happen, but then it it would just do something that, that completely I mean, I, I guess undermined you'd say it. The city is the character. Yeah, yeah but like the, there's but something yeah. about the like the cam when you're doing something like that, the camera has to take on this this personality which it did looking, for the moment which that we're talking sometimes, about sometimes yeah. we're autonomized it, 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 it became but then yeah. it came but then uh, it Brodsky's independent autonomous eye didn't it and it began yeah. to float through the, the city camera yeah, eye, yeah. yeah the camera eye and it's like yeah Brodsky and uh, Vertov and everyone you know, and so yeah the, Steve McQueen Sir Steve McQueen mm-hmm. so I, I, I my, con- my contention is I think that he is actually a deeply self-important filmmaker slash artist um as I said earlier, you know, he, he, he divides his work between two quite different forms. One is like mm. small acts, uh, 12 Years a Slave, these very uh, slickly made uh, commercial dramas uh, that deal with important political issues that have mm. an atmosphere of like rubbing your face in it and telling you this happened. It's really important. You know that this happened. Mm. And these art pieces or structural films or essay films uh, like the Grenfell piece at Serpentine, which I saw recently, which was a 23 minute drone shot that kind of arrived at, at Kensington circled the uh, building sort of eight months after it had been uh, after it's it had burned burn husk at this so point, it was yeah. being like but builders were kind of dealing with it uh, circles the drone gets quite close to it then moves out and then you walk out of the gallery and then you have to look at a na- list of the names of the people who died in Grenfell um, which is yeah 
a, a very competently made and engaging structural film which then rams down your throat at the end that like mm. this is about something important and you should know this and this should be remembered this film manages to be more obnoxious than that because it does the structural film elements it has like moments of beauty mm. but then it's constantly layered as we've said with the the itemization the indexing of the tragedy that it's ramming down your throat happened and you must know um and i think i think that he as we've as a theme is emerging in our discussion he underestimates the intelligence of the audience mm. massively the way that he tells and i, I think it's it, it's in it's engenders a liberal sensibility it, it is kind mm. of you know white fragility style uh, uh, approach he has to in filmmaking which is you must scenes, be educated he chooses to shoot so you know in a park there's a celebration of kind of african diaspora communities he mm -hmm. chooses a lesbian wedding and yeah fine i'm sure amsterdam is a relatively diverse city but is it is it kind of gives this narrative of this kind of cosmopolitan cornucopia in a way and i wonder plausible. if amsterdam, amsterdam having a very live tradition of far-right um, political, dis like political I mean, Amsterdam movements. is definitely yeah. diverse. There's like huge centers yeah, there and armies. Well, it's true. He doesn't go to the north. That's, yeah, you know, but the, the yeah. Netherlands as a whole is a, is, a, is a country that's really like tussled with the, the far right. You know, they've been very yeah, prominent yeah, through yeah. the 90s and the 2000s. And I think there's and they have these weird racist traditions. Mm, right, it, yeah, it, it's face. a film that doesn't want to admit the recrudescence of fascism in yeah, their yeah, own yeah. moment. Um, yeah. well, no, it, I think it, it does want to gesture towards it. Right, there are there's like a there's like a shot. Uh, there's like a memorial to this journalist that was killed. There's like this this anti-fascist rally where this guy sings a guitar song that's called oh No God, More Fascism. So and he just sings No More Fascism. It's, it definitely wants to signal politics all the time and make mm. you think. And mm. and as we say, the, I mean, one must not confuse intention with reception, but Peter mm. Bradshaw's review of it says in the stand first, you know, this is a film that, you know, causes you to question things, you know, to make things. You know, I'm it, sure it does. It didn't, it didn't <laughs> trigger for me any um, profound political realizations. Mm. You know, anyone with a vague familiarity with the 20th century European politics is fully aware the Holocaust happened mm. uh, we all know like horrific details about how it was enacted no but I, I mean I, look, I, I'm not I'm not going to unveil against somebody making a city uh, making a film about about like, thematically it's not on an interesting topic an to, interesting talk, to talk about to but talk it's about the solemnity the solemnity the, the mission the mission engenders that solemnity the, the mission the mission approach that he has but my problem is actually not it's just it's totally it was, it was confused it didn't. that's why that's yeah, what yeah, i mean yeah, the yeah. solemnity causes this tonal confusion right because right, right. he's doing he's structure he's got a structure in place that naturally gives rise to moments of joy and humor and weirdness but then he like insists against it with this like completely humorless uh, verbal which is a lack of bravery yeah. exactly so, yeah, so it's, a, it's a sort of formal cinematic character but people will applaud yeah. it because of the noble aims it's it's a film that talks about what a profound film it underlines would be. itself basically mm. but it's it highlighting itself film. and it's underlining itself and it's 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 trying to ramify uh it's yeah it's trying to ramify basically the the things that are already being said formally but in the language of the film the grammar mm. of the film we get it um and i think you're right as well you know i think one of the other frustrations was um his desire for coverage on certain shots so there'll be certain locations that we reach and we'll get it will cut to a slightly different shot or a different angle in that space. And it's trying to give us... Mm -hmm. For no other... It, 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 the interesting thing is when he holds a shot and he sustains mm -hmm. a shot, like this scene with everybody's snow um, uh, sort of gliding down the slope. Or the, the beautiful one of the tulips in the foreground and the teenage lovers in the back. Moving in the back oh, and they're just screaming. Really really oh, so so incredibly beautiful because he, he takes the that dancing, lesson from the little, the, the, the scene... A lot of these were just would have been beautiful moving image works. And mm. what upsets me is the fact that there is seems to be no longer any room for someone to just make a beautiful experimental film mm. that like sh that fixates on a thing and shows it in a very arresting way and yeah. that's all it does and and Steve McQueen is just utterly symptomatic of the mm. way that 
moving image culture, the, uh, the place that moving image it's culture has arrived at now. The image and is if, entirely yeah. subtended. And if you yeah. look at the experimental strand, I mean, I used to, uh, in 2014, I, I watched every single screening in the experimental program of, the, of LFF and I saw some extraordinary works and I was really, I was really given an education into like what mm. moving image culture is because there was archive screenings as well. This time, I haven't even touched the experimental strand because every, every film in this strand you'll have seen from the program mm. is just a, 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 a film about telling you about politics that may have been made in a slightly like it's a quirky, film story, unusual way which is something we've talked about you exactly. know, previously and i think as well there is that other fair i know we're going to sort of institutional critique now but there is a an expanded cinema um strand oh, to lff which is just which is not expanded cinema in the malcolm legrand ludicrous it's guy guy madden doing some fun, some mm. nonsense with some free cameras anyway we, there, don't we must um, we must wrap up because you guys, we're getting cantankerous we're getting curmudgeonly it's, yeah we are, there were there were moments of real lucidity and beauty in it and i think the the film i think you're right you know there were moments almost unintentionally organically of 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 coincidence that made it very beautiful or i think a product of um, the crew he was working with rather mm. than his own intentions mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah like the scene with the car like at night like i you know you wonder how how much that was directed or if that was more of a kind of like because it didn't it didn't fit with the rest of the film it was felt like more like an interlude and you kind of wonder if they're like it well, did come almost yeah. around the halfway point as well yeah, yeah i thought that was yeah. the interlude that he said uh, you shouldn't leave the film during you know he said you should sit through the interlude That's oh what he really said. Yeah. Did, say did we defy him by leaving yeah, we defied it by going Such to get a... Such a fucking uh, annoying person. I'm sorry, what sandwich. were we meant to do? We were meant to just sit there and, and reflect. And, and reflect on... Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> Steve McQueen's <laughs> aesthetic project is just, is, is just forcing you to hear like nasty stuff that's happened and mm. reflect and do the work. He is just, he is just like he's a fucking... He's the most do the work he's a, he's a fucking liberal. Mm. His work is not liberating. It's not interesting. It's just making you suffer. For the, in the name of like do you know what it is political understanding do the work thing yeah it is it's that and occasionally as a byproduct as a byproduct of these structures that he has to create in order to mm. do this he sometimes makes sometimes as a result of working with interesting and talented people mm. like makes something that's actually visually beautiful I don't know. And I think shame was a Okay, I haven't seen Shame, and I, 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 I think, think Hunger, you, you, you'd Hunger, like, Hunger you'd was like okay. Shame. You'd like Shame. Shame yeah. was a good film. But uh, from That's from good. twelve years onwards, I didn't see the fourth one. He made the Widows one, but like, yeah. Mm. In the main, like shame. in the main, when he's dealing with uh, oscillating between these two modes, I find him insufferable. So I, yeah, I don't have such an animus against it. I just think um, it was uh, a fairly uninspired approach to probably. Um, you know like to a topic that is not devoid of it, it literally provokes has to provoke new ways of thinking about cinema because mm. yeah right i mean you're, you're talking about documenting something for which the traces have by and large been forcibly mm. uh, removed i'm yeah. through a process of mm. physical extermination of mm. the people or of the sites and insufficient, yeah. and you see the inadequacy of all of that existing, like, um, existing architectural forms. Karen Faraki reflects right, quite well. Literally, you know, oh, yeah. uh, and and that's how you see it. That's how you see the same material um, given form, given expression to by somebody who's like actually intelligently reflecting on the processes mm. that might have produced fascism. Yeah, I mean, whereas the liberal mindset cannot actually conceive of it because, mm. by and large, they were complicit. Yeah. And you, you know might actually I mean? say like, a, a generous reading might be the this, no. I don't, this I don't mean Stephen Queen was. You know what I mean? But mm. I, I, like the, the, sort the, of the sort of mentality that uh, mm. produces yeah. Uh, yeah. something like this but film. This is not, what I'm saying. I think there's a, a generous reading. Is this this film is a machine that generates potentially more interesting readings? Like there's there's unintended ghost images of this film. One of which mm. is like a kind of 
um, slightly satirical pointed critique of the kind of inadequacy and the, the, the kind of mundanity of modern urban development, like modern urbanism, because a lot of the spaces we see are just non-placey, insipid, crowded, hyper-capitalist shopping markets. We mm -hmm. see, we kind of get a kind of critique of urban development in this film. Yeah, and you, you do know, feel hearing the about of emptiness, more, the vacuity of lots mm, of these activities. Well, we hear about, you know, we hear about composers and string quartets and yeah, artists yeah, true, and true, painters true, in the past yeah. who have now been, you know, uh, were murdered during the course of the war. We hear, and instead you know, we're watching, well, I mean, mm. yeah, we're watching kind of teenagers have avocado toast. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully yeah. we will <laughs> have a, times, more, yeah. a more interesting and engaging and arresting experience with a different reflection on the Holocaust uh, mm. by Jonathan Glazer, by also by British director Jonathan Glazer's yeah. Zone of Interest is going to be screening uh, on Wednesday. We will watch that uh, and we will talk about that film and we will talk about... Uh, I'm on Friday. Close your eye. Okay. Mm. Well, yeah. We're seeing the things at different times. We are. But in a week or so, we will uh, return to form, to return to form, mm. uh, to discuss... Uh, I'm optimistic the, about the Glazer. The, yeah. And yeah. I'm optimistic about the Victor Erice and mm. the new Pedro Costa short nine minutes. Um, and we're also going to see how to have sex for our sins, or who knows, maybe, maybe you always got to keep open mind to mm. a British film being all right. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like it could be useful. Yeah. The persistence of hope. Yeah. In the dark uh, hope, not cope. That's the mm. motto at Return to Form. George, thank you so much for joining us and providing oh, cool. very erudite insights yeah, as ever. Um, we have talked for two and a half hours <laughs> longer, not as long as uh, Steve McQueen's, Steve McQueen's Occupied, Occupied City, City, but long mm. enough. This I is think. the Occupied City. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> oh, very good, very good. Um, and now we're about to see another three and a half hour clonker, I think, which yeah. is Wang Bing's youth. Youth. I, we're I, come I, out of it slightly less youthful. Slightly yeah, yeah. Three hours older. I'm not getting involved in this uh, pursuit, but I wish you all the best thank and you. look forward to hearing about it on the next mm. pod. Um, thank you for listening and watching, listeners. Yeah. Peace. Peace out.